the What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is Super 8. Pop in your DVD or Blurry Press Play. Press pause when the Paramount logo fades to black. And at the first frame, you perceive the ball black. Press pause. In a second, I'll say 3, 2, 1, unpause. Both press play. You'll press play. And watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary. Except, of course, four friends in your head. Those friends this week are myself, as always, T. Christie, my friend Brian William Finifter. Greetings. Michael Dorkman Scott. Yellow. And Trey, the amazing Stokes. Okay. Super 8 was a movie that, um, you guys remember, like, the the... the sort of the preceding stuff because he did a similar thing with Cloverfield as he did with this where there's like little sort of non-trailery things happening and the you're like mystery what's, box what's going on here? <laughs> the <laughs> mystery marketing campaign and yeah. you know you're sort of confused about what's going on and, and bits and pieces of it start to emerge and you know what you're looking at eventually hopefully by the time the credits have rolled and um, this movie I, I had an okay time with Cloverfield I don't remember <laughs> disliking Cloverfield but I don't remember seeing it either and I know I did so there's, <laughs> there's my opinion of Cloverfield also he didn't direct that he didn't? Yeah, that was Matt Reeves. He produced oh. it. Well, it's his fault. Yeah, his name was it's, all over it, though, so you can be thing, forgiven. Yeah, to yeah anyway. Um, and, and Super Joss 8... Joss Whedon didn't direct Cabin in the Woods either, but come on. I was I was very cautiously excited about this one, because the, the, the conceit of, I want to try to do an early 80s, late 70s Spielberg-y feeling movie these days uh, is interesting to me. I was... So, like the game in my brain somehow changed when I found out Spielberg was actually producing it because that, I, I'm not sure if that made me more or less sort of uh, convinced that this was going to work uh, certain and I still can't tell <laughs> like I, I, I think I like Super 8 but I also think it doesn't work but I don't know why. I mean, it feels like everything's there. I think the, I think we're it's here the ma- for you, Teague. I think it's the mashup <laughs> of the, the the kid stuff and then the alien invasion stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's some, it's some way that those two things interact that throws me off a little bit because everything with the kids by itself is is something that I really like watching. And I think the aliens fine too. It's just in the same movie might be weirding me out. You know why? Why? Because the kids and the aliens really, when you get right down to it, have nothing to do with each other. Yep. Brian, That's how did you feel issue. about Super Eight? Uh, I I think I guess I kind of feel kind of the same way as you do, but I think that. The distinction there is, you know, the it gets the tone, it gets this feeling of, you know, early Spielberg, Close Encounters, E.T. kind of a thing. It gets the the tone of that really well, but then the actual movie itself really doesn't work um, because the the kids actually have no uh, active role in the unfolding of the plot of the movie itself. Nor, nor does the 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 MacGuffin, the the titular MacGuffin of the whole thing, this the, the Super Eight film that they do that they make and the footage that they accidentally get has no actual bearing on the rest of the events of the movie. Uh, and that's, I think the problem. So it's like from a logic standpoint, it's not a good movie at all, but it does very successfully capture that kind of nostalgic feeling. That's especially towards the beginning I think. tone, especially yeah, at the beginning, but I, I think through the whole thing, but um, it, yeah, it's, Tone, I think. It gets the tone right, but it doesn't get anything else right. But it does the tone really well. Darkman, is that how you see it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's interesting. So, so, many, so many movies, it's the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing they got right was tone. Yeah. <laughs> you, I, it's so unusual. I watched this movie, and, and like both of you guys said, it's it's you feel that he was trying to evoke the, the movies that were made back then, late seven, uh, particularly late 70s, early 80s Spielberg. Um, and he does it really well, and it, it reminds... It can remind you so much of those movies and and how much you really enjoyed those. And it is an enjoyable movie from scene to scene um, to the extent that you could be forgiven 
in watching it for not noticing that it's almost completely incoherent. Yeah. Like, it doesn't m- hardly make any sense at all uh, what, what things are going on. And, and like you said, uh, the big problem with it is that the the you know the interaction between the the kids and the alien plot line is almost none um and and he talks about in the behind the scenes i i watched that before this and and he was saying you know he wanted to make a movie about kids who made super 8 film cuz that was him and stuff like that um and he but he had no story to put them in <laughs> could get that green lit <laughs> yeah and he had this other well well with spielberg he was inter- but yeah. he had this other story that uh about a a train you know transporting stuff from area 51 um, and so he says, you know, so I had characters but no story and a premise but no character. So, blah, blah. Uh, and it's like, yeah. well, you had them happen in the same two-hour span, but you didn't actually but put them together. That They're doesn't actually, actually make a story yeah. just by doing that. Yeah, it's not actually telling a story, and and the it still weirdly gets away with it because it's so you can tell that this is a project that he was so passionate about, and that really comes through. Like, there's this kind of just raw it, it, all the raw, raw material is it. there and yeah. there's a raw love for it and that comes through and it's infectious so you can't be mad at the movie <laughs> this is, this in, is in a that movie sense. that i would call extremely earnest yeah exactly yeah. this isn't this isn't a movie that's like um you know it's not like a transformers well, or something yeah, where it's, it's just a money grab and it, it's something he really wanted to make so it's, it's it's not like you can level that criticism at the movie and go well he obviously just didn't care and if he had cared yeah. then it would have no he obviously yeah. did care but he still didn't get it right yeah he cared he cared it just it, i i wish he had he had cared to the extent of doing another draft or two of the script to kind of tie these elements together because as it is it's a bunch of stuff that you can tell he really loves and really thinks is great and put a lot of effort into on a scene-by-scene basis it's great but you put them all together and they don't add up to the sum of their parts it's almost like a kid making a super eight yeah (laughs) but you know you work with what you got and then just string it it together yeah Yeah. how do you feel about the movie i uh, that's that's about i'd never really even given enough thought to to articulate it but but what you've been (laughs) what you've been it's not that i hated the movie or dismissed it because i i also i too enjoyed the the pieces of it as it unfolded i i think the uh i always thought the 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 alien part of it once the once the train crashes, which is great, but you know the alien sections are the least successful parts of the movie, mm-hmm. and and in a sense the, well, the least interesting. You know, it's sort of like this feels like we've seen all this before. You know, this is this is all sort of familiar and 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 done well enough and all that, but but not particularly compelling. Um, and of course. I relate to the movie a little bit even more than you guys because th- these kids are me. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, they're actually a little younger than me. They're actually about three years younger than me chronologically. Uh, of course, they have a range of ages, but uh, but everything in that kid's room, including <laughs> that copy of Super Eight Filmmaker, I still have in a box in a storage unit right now. I have that. Uh, I have that issue of Super Eight Filmmaker, um, and there's all this amazing period references. And, and the first time you see that that living room. You know when you see the when you see the kids' living room in ET, and I think I said this, and when we, when we did ET, I said that's that's it because ET is not a period piece. Right. ET is a contemporary piece for its time. Now now you have to get an art department to make a living room like that, but by God, they did it. You know they 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 outdid themselves in terms of getting the the period feel right and that horrifying harvest gold uh, avocado green world we lived in <laughs> Woo, yay but um so that i was really f- brown carpet exactly i was really fascinated but that's not the original color um so i was really fascinated by the the sense of you know era that someone like like they put this kind of effort into like you know the era of marie antoinette i was so impressed that someone put that kind of <laughs> art departmental effort into recreating you know suburbia of the late 70s um 
and it's really compelling and the kid actors are all you know very good oh, yeah. and, and uh, you know so again all the elements are there uh, yeah in the end it just something doesn't quite add up at the end but it's it's not even you know it's nowhere near a terrible film or anything like that it's just it's it really could have been a genuine new classic it just it just misses that mark something isn't isn't there and i think it is the fact that i like that i'd never realized that you know the two stories don't actually connect yeah. kids there's these kids in town making a movie meanwhile an alien is also <laughs> on the loose meanwhile and, back at the ranch and the, at the end they sort of bump into each other that's that's yeah. the story um but uh, I, actually there was a review that came out at the time when this movie uh, came out that said um J.J. Abrams, you know, he's like, he's done. Well, he did a Mission Impossible, right? That was uh, he was did that, the third one. Yeah, yeah was yeah. that his first feature? Because he, he was I believe fairly early was. features for him. Yeah. Um, someone said that J.J. Abrams is, you know, we're, he's been on television for years, and obviously he's he's had great success there. But features are still fairly new. He's done, I guess, three to this point. And a reviewer said, you know, he's done three, but each one, each each of his features, he was under the the thumb of something or someone. You know, he had he, Mission Impossible already had its own set of things that were required. Star Trek has its set of things that were required. Super Eight was sort of like burdened by the Spielberg homage. Yes, problem. Well, it's um, like you were saying; it it could have been an iconic film, but it was too concerned with being a love letter to other iconic yeah. films to be one of its own. And the, this reviewer said, and I agree about J.J. Abrams is like if you know it's when J.J. Abrams is kind of on par with, with where Joss Whedon is now. It's like, Joss Whedon, okay, Avengers is the greatest, you know, fourth biggest movie of all time now. It's, you know, it's this huge, huge deal. Um, Joss Whedon can do better, and he already has, when he does his own things. Right. But now he's being successful. J.J. Abrams has been very successful, but we're waiting for him to do the thing that he really, really wants to do that can be entirely his own, and that might be quite something to see. Mm. And he hasn't made that movie yet. So you're at the point where the Paramount logo has faded to black as we are here. So put your finger on the button. Three, two, one, unpause. Yeah, I don't know about that. I was actually uh, I, I have a. Oh, I feel, by the I way, feel like this is this yeah, is pretty. I, yeah, yeah, I feel like how many is, people yeah. get get made a hundred get one hundred fifty million dollars to be like make the film you want to do, and it's like oh dude, totally <laughs> love letter to fucking what I grew up on. No, like, I, I really did like seeing the Amblin thing in theaters. I was really touched by yeah. that. But it, it 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 that touches on something that. I wanted to cue off of what Trey had said about it, it, it doesn't quite connect. Uh, and the Amblin thing is perfect because is, is the reason it doesn't quite connect is some amount of it, uh, for us at least, uh, just because it's, it really is trying very hard. I mean, is it a trying too hard problem? Is it, is it, it getting it's, distracted? It's, it's, no. distracted. No. it's distracted by itself, yes. It's not that it's trying too hard. It gets distracted by the fact that it's trying to be this other thing. And, and it's just a bunch of pieces. I mean, he talks about just this very scene. Um, he's, that was the, he's, he's talks the about first movie. idea. He's yeah. had he's had an idea that before the the movie even happened. He's like yeah. he's had an idea about a movie starting this way with with it's a steel mill and it goes up to the accident sense and they take down the numbers and they put up one because something just happened. He doesn't know what he said. I don't know what the movie is, but that's how I want it to start. Yeah. So it's like okay, he's got these characters he wants. He's got this this think? premise he wants to do. He's <laughs> got opening, opening he wants to do, and and they're all kind of thrown together in a jumble like that. I I feel like this is. He's like, oh my, oh my God! I finally got a blank check, basically, to make right. the movie I want to do, and he got so excited and just pushed it all in there, you know. And see, I. Oh, by the way, her eyes. Last time, last night, I was trying to watch this movie again, and her eyes in this shot almost annoyed me so much that I stopped watching. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's just there. What? Angley's Hulk. I mean, the yeah. eyes. The eyes are glowing. Yeah. Something yeah. Is this wrong is a. With those this eyes. is a really. Uh, um, a lot of people had had trouble just from this scene because that that's such a an exposition dump. You right. know, I don't think he understands his son. He, he's never he's had to be a to father being a before. Father. Yeah. It's like really, you could really. Yeah, it's a shame to know. follow up that really elegant because you know, that is a yeah. great opening shot. Yes. It's like yeah. you know, it's, you, you know that that that's 
rather than saying, oh, what a terrible accident or anything ham-fisted like that, he had this really elegant thing where you, you immediately get, uh, you know, David, terrible Dave, just David Mamet would be proud as well. You know, you cut from the accident to the, to the kid and you go, okay, someone he cared about was in an accident. You know, it's all being told by cuts and visuals and then, and then to follow that up with a pretty clanky yeah. exposition that, uh, and then is unfortunate. To continue it on with the kids talking in detail about what exactly, like, yeah. oh, the steel beam. Yeah, and they like, had to... like kids never do. Yeah, well, yeah. that's, that's plausible. Kids That's true. That, but... That's specific. Talking about the, the gushy specifics of how his mom died is exactly what kids yeah. would have done. That's, that's fair. But, but I think they could have done that instead of the clunky exposition yeah, right. because because the only if well if, my point was having the both of them immediately together right. even makes the even though that is what kids do it still makes it clunky exposition well because it, it feels like he's just he's just pointing at he's trying to explain too much about what happened right when it's like okay like you said there's a really elegant something just happened we see this kid oh someone in his life just died if we just cut straight to those kids then it's like oh interesting it was his mom and not his dad yeah. you know yeah. that's all you really need which that's is the, the assumption you, you to, the assumption i made too yeah. and it's the fact that it was his mom um and then the, i thought this was this was a nice bit of intrigue here because they they wait a very long time to tell you what this guy's what connection is you know, yes. it's like, yeah. you know it's, it, you're i assumed you know, as, as i assume i was meant to that he was caused the accident or something right. like that and it wasn't anywhere near as as heinous a thing as that which yeah i mean i i assume the same thing but why wasn't it? I mean, what thematically did you get from it just being the fact that he was late? You the know? fact that the fact that he he really doesn't deserve to punish himself or be punished yeah. to that level, and it's you know that it was unfair because if he if he actually had caused the accident, I don't think you'd ever could make a sympathetic character out of him. Right. I don't know. I still think it would have been stronger for him to actually cause the accident. Well, it would, in certain ways, but I mean, the the other problem is that that's another that's another element that doesn't connect well because like because you you look at and it would have been hard to do because you know uh joe who's played by uh young mr joel courtney who this is his first uh that's not jodie foster yeah i thought that was jodie foster (laughs) this is his first thing and he's very good he's he's um he's great and i'm sure we'll see a lot more of him and he's he's so warm and likable and so i understand why it would have been you would have lost that to have him burdened by you know, having having problems, you know, emotional problems with what happened to his yeah. mom. But then the entire kind of, uh, uh, you know, saccharine ending uh, of the the movie w- with the locket. Mm-hmm. It's like that relies on the metaphor of him having trouble letting go. And he there at no point in this movie right. is he struggling with the loss of his mother. Right. You know, he's struggling with his dad is. Yeah. <laughs> and he's struggling with his, his relationship, relationship with, with his, his dad. dad. Yeah. But it's got nothing to do with his mom. And and that's another place where it doesn't really connect. And it could have. Like there's all the pieces are there I think to have made tray. this a really amazing film. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, but they just don't come together. And like I said, I don't hate the movie, but it frustrates me and makes it difficult to watch because it's like, damn it. They're just, the dots are unconnected. They're just yeah. sitting there. You know? But they're there. They're, and you can see that the dots are in the yeah. shape of a, a dragon or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, let me just fill them in. So that was right though. I, I was right just there. The, the guy with the, the making zombie faces and blowing things up was Trey. Is that is that close? <laughs> the little, close? You mean you the, the mean, little the little kid who's you like, mean the budding the budding effects kid is, yeah. is me? I I or were you more well, Mr. I, director at the time? I, I I was probably more I was probably more the director kid. Um, although I would do I I did, definitely did have my fishing tackle box with a tube of fake blood and you know five random objects that were my effects kit as well. Um, and I did you know would do uh, 
Probably the dumbest thing I ever did was uh, was do squib hits with firecrackers just by taping firecrackers mm. to myself and setting. What? Them yeah. At least it was you and not a buddy. So. Exactly. <laughs> I, I would and I set my arm on fire one time on purpose. Uh, it was. Oh, very, I did that too, though. A la the uh, just like the uh, the the Raiders kids. I I just. I was just thinking that, and what's weird about this, and I was going to bring it up uh, at oh some my point. God, that clock. That little kid actually <laughs> looks a little bit like Chris Strombolis. Yeah. He actually looks yeah. like the kid who did the Raiders adaptation yeah. a little bit, which is crazy. So here's here's a question from uh, from the era because some people were, look, avocado green. Look at those appliances. Yeah. Oh yes, they say taupe is very soothing. Some some people were uh, were making a point where it's like, where would this kid have seen a zombie film at this time? Dawn of the Dead was oh, on. We, we totally knew about uh, it. Okay. Here's the Dawn of the Dead. Night of Living Dead had been on television. He has okay, a Dawn of the okay. Dead poster on as well. I, I noticed it a second ago. Yeah, and Halloween was out, and uh, Dawn of the well, they're younger than me, so 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 Dawn of the Dead would have would be out at this point, okay. I think. Dawn of the Dead came out in I was I was in college, but you know they're they're three or two or three three years younger than me. So, uh, so what, a, what year specifically is this movie set in again? I don't know. Thirty four. Does it ever? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's specified. Just after World late seventies. Just after yeah. World War Two. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't know if it. They, they don't actually give you a I mean I mean I think you'd have to work it out oh, in context yeah. because there is a there is a Halloween poster so that that. And sets we just got a we just got a reference to uh, the, the ongoing crisis at Three Mile Island. Okay, so, so that yes. that'll that'll set it in stone. So that would be that's got to be like. 78, 79. I, yeah, ish, somewhere right? around there. 76, something like that. Maybe earlier. Yeah, yeah I guess maybe earlier. Um, In the chat, Jimmy says Halloween, 79. Halloween, 79. Yeah. Well, Halloween was later than that. It would have to be... They don't mention Star Wars at all in this. Yeah, there's so no it has Star, to be Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars doesn't exist at all. But, well, what uh, is he going to do? Make a love letter movie so, to George right. Lucas? Come on. This is the Spielberg yeah. movie. Well, that's, that's another thing. And, and it's interesting that this was a deliberate choice, but I think it might not have been the the best choice because they're making a zombie movie and then an alien shows up it's like what <laughs> how is this? this is in no way thematically re- related and he he deliberately he was like i could have had them make making like an alien invasion movie but they i thought that would be two on the nose two on the yeah, nose too coincidental and it's like well but but now it doesn't make any sense at all that i that's actually want to have a, a rather long conversation sometime later in the episode just about uh you know the the general down in fronty. How could this have been better stuff? But I want to start now just by saying all the things it gets right. I think the photography is gorgeous, oh, and sure. I wish all movies were shot like this. I just <laughs> I just love the richness of this. I love how it's relatively flat. I mean, it, I like that there are multiple colors. Uh, well, just, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously there is still some some cyan and teal, but or ob- teal and orange. But I feel like I'm quiet. Hold on. Uh, obviously, there's a, a lot of dance in the image, and it's dark here and light there. But it's not really crunchy black. I mean, it's just a well lit movie. And it's just really easy on the eyes. It also, I, I think it captures the look of a late 70s, early 80s movie better than Crystal Skull did. And yeah. they specifically really tried. It's a little, it's, it's a little more polished. Um, well, you sure. Know, they I mean, obviously it should be a little eye, blurrier, but, just a little blurrier. But. Yeah, but but just the color and the contrast and and, and all that stuff is is a, is updated. It, it's an updated version of the way they would have shot it in the 70s and 80s. And the film stock itself is just yes, better and cleaner. Cool, yeah. yeah. Um, the camera itself is damaging yeah, the film less the, as it goes the, the, case. the blacks are richer and all that. Yeah, and, and of course, um, you know, it, it practically goes without saying these days. But of course, the effects are wonderful. Um, yeah. I so. the lens flares. Oh boy. odd. It works in Star Trek. I actually am very apologetic of the lens flares in Star Trek. It, they work for me just fine. But in this one, they seem a little much. They are a little much. They're still. I there's think cer- they're, there's certainly less of them here than in Star Trek. They're appropriate but they stand for out more. the era, but there's t- more of them than. I don't know. I think it's. I think I agree with you in that they're more. They're a little much here. I think they're a little much in, in Star Trek too. But I think it's the the contrast between 
at least our impression of that effect is, oh, that's a very J.J. Abrams 2009 thing. Right. Uh, but then you or Michael put, Bay. But or yeah, Michael yeah. Bay, but you put that like 2009-style feel to it inside this period film, it jumps out at you more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And because of that little moment there, uh, I, I guess J.J. Abrams has never specifically said when it happens, but they're singing My Sharona, so it has to be after April 1979. Yeah. So it's, right. it's summer 79. Now, Trey, uh, he's triangulating. Yeah. It so for yeah, us. so it's summer, <laughs> summer '79. We've uh, basically established. How, uh, how, how, how are you feeling about her car? And uh, would your car oh, I would, beat her I would, off the line? I would, I would be that kid. I would be like, oh my god, she's like a dream girl. <laughs> she has she's a driver's so cute license. And she has a little. She has a driver's license. She's blonde. I mean, that's it. That's all. And, that's and, all I need. And she clearly doesn't like me. Huh? Yeah. So in. So moth to a flame. That's me. I'm all over it. Also, her dad killed my mom. So there's that. You know, <laughs> right. that happened to me too. The kids. It's are an great. Oedipal thing. I'm confused. Yeah, it's. it's I wasn't yeah. paying attention in literature class, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah, that's something. Pretty like sure, it. that's what happened in Oedipus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's what we've asked this question before, and I, I recall we came to an interesting consensus. But consensus, but remind me, what what are the basic characteristics of the Spielberg era that we're thinking of, and, and JJ clearly was too? Isn't it mostly just sort of a sentiment and, and kid angled story? It's yeah. It's I mean, kind it's mostly of... just a warmth, gooeyness and a good story about a kid kind of vibe. But then Close Encounters doesn't have that. But then again, it's kind of a different thing. It has a little what bit. Are we ta- what movies are we talking about? E.T.? We're talking about largely E.T. <laughs> largely E.T. Um, Close Encounters is in there. This has, this has the, the family dynamic, the sort of dysfunctional, dysfunctional yeah. but, but, but operable family dynamic. Yeah, this has very much the... the and very much the feel of Close Encounters and a lot of it's uh, uh, you know bigger, more... I think, more. A, I think a big part of it is uh, kind of the tedium and mundanity of small town small family life and then this big supernatural thing kind of coming in and supernatural yeah well it's that's a key point it's like being a part of this this little dysfunctional family in some weird random town somewhere and then this alien or giant shark or whatever comes sweeping through town and catches everything you know jaws is another one he's definitely using jaws in here yeah as well it just well i actually just had an idea so i'm going to stop that and start something else because i'm thinking of it what if i'm sure this has been discussed what if this was more of a thing along the lines of, and what they captured on film, the government wants, and the kids are trying to evade the government a la E.T. Yes. Kind, of, kind of story. Would that be yeah. better than... To be honest, that's kind of what I assumed what the story was going yeah, to be. Yeah, that's, the, that's yeah. a big deal of it. Or um, I, the, uh, um, I, I, I had the thought that they could go in a almost more Goonies-ish direction where like their their film gets confiscated yeah. and the and the kid Charles is like, we have to get that film back. <laughs> yeah. they, that's the ending of our movie. I can't afford any more film. We've got to get that. That'd be, that'd be such a modern movie. You know, you know, five kids are going to steal government secrets, right. you know, as opposed to, you know, a, a much more, this is a weird word, you use more grounded story, which mm. is what this is. I, what I, 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 I detect a Spielberg touch in the sense of, and it's just what, what happens in in close encounters and and uh, you know all jaws as well before this whole anything the government is doing is automatically evil and bad and a conspiracy has become set in stone which is now the the norm where close encounters was you know you saw the government conspiracy but you saw the government conspiracy you right. saw it being formed and you saw the you know you saw them figuring out how to do their conspiracy and or et which has that reversal exactly of, you know, i think they're evil but they're not but they're really not that evil they're you know they're trying to do a job and you know it's a freaking alien no one knows what to do exactly yeah. you know we're all just kind of making this shit up as we go and and the the government is that way in this we have a bad guy who is a member of the government conspiracy but most of the government guys are kind of just sort of you know trying to cover their ass and figure out what the hell to do it's like we got this crazy fucking alien that kills people we don't know what we're doing either you know but we 
you know, we'll err on the side of caution and send in the National Guard and try and keep people away from this thing. That's yeah. our that's our move right now. But the, I don't know. I feel the, like this. I, I feel like this movie airs a little more on the side of the modern. The government is always evil sensibility. A little bit. Certainly. I think so too. I mean, because the guy, the the colonel is clearly an asshole, and is they're going for that. I, I'm just I'm just saying. I, in this day and age, it's surprising how it doesn't go how all the way. It is. That's, that's yeah. what struck me as like that there are sympathetic people in the government conspiracy. But I but I agree that ultimately, one way or another, the fact that these kids are making a film and it captures the alien on the film that should have been the that the MacGuffin. That's yeah. the center of the plot. Yeah, you know, agreed. it revolves around that one way or the other. As and and. It doesn't. it doesn't. They could. They could just like I. You know the comment I made about uh, about indie almost. Um, it's like after this train wreck, if they just went home and went on with their lives, like that's the rest of the movie would have played out. The rest exactly of the movie the would have way. played out the same mm-hmm. as as far as the uh, the situation with the aliens is a- alien is concerned. Um, except that you know she gets kidnapped, so they go to to help her. But if that if if she hadn't happened to get kidnapped, yeah. they they would have had to have no interaction at right. all with the aliens. And that's so, the least successful part of the movie. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So this is an interesting thing to say. Uh, while there are no superficial similarities, this, this movie in that case actually very much reminds me of Pan's Labyrinth. Sure. Where yes, I agree. There's, there's <laughs> I two agree. things that are going on in the movie. I may have said the same thing, and they at the only time, very yeah. barely interact with each other. Uh, yeah, and, and to bet for better or for worse. Some well, people, it's, it, mileage may vary. It's it's the age old problem of your protagonist or protagonist, whether or not they're active or not. You know, yeah. is your is your protagonist is your main character actually driving the story forward in some way, shape, or form, and ours is slash are not. Yeah, they're not. I mean, the yes, the ideally the movie should be. Okay, we have this film. We have to either get it from the government or give it to the news station mm. or Oh yeah, something. that would be good. If it, you know, if you want to go in the direction of there's a big government cover up and they're going to like nuke the town or something, it's like we got to get this out there. We got to tell people what's right. really happening here, you know? Sure, and, that's a good yeah. way to go. Or, or put the kids in danger because they have the evidence. Because they have yeah, the evidence. Yeah. Just you know, have the government, them run the government to isn't or run we're going to liquidate you because we're the evil government. It's like we, we it's our job to not let people know about this. Yeah. We have to take you into custody, which of course will make them run away but that doesn't mean the government is evil it's, right. you know. and then and then they're run, they're running away to avoid the 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 you know the government trying to kind of mop up the issue but there's also an alien on the loose so <laughs> yeah, they're going to so, run to follow that too exactly something yeah. i didn't realize i was being charmed by at the time but i just put my finger on is uh everybody in this room can uh, sort of understand the feelings involved when you're just a doofball making a movie and you can't believe the cute girl is in it too and oh, you, yeah. you don't know how to act you're like thank you you just you basically you just want to stand around and say thank you so much for not for not hating me please <laughs> do and I'll, you know and she's just sitting there like god you guys are weird welcome to my life making fucking arc two yeah, years ago exactly <laughs> That's, uh, you know and also the thing that i relate to that for me the, all the pretty girls here so i'm so glad we have they, a pretty girl and they're all acting like i'm i'm worth listening to the um the other thing that's great is this when the kid goes oh my god trade's coming production value i mean moby dick we said oh Oh, shoot that that's great that's for free get it okay train train crash here we go quite a good one i will say yeah of course this is incredibly over the top which is yeah the point but, um but I'm, what the hell come on yeah it's i a, mean it's well done brilliantly done i i think it's so like i was i was kind of sitting up on the edge of my seat i'm like holy shit i've never seen i i mean you see stuff like this yeah. in movies now all the time but i've i've rarely seen it in a movie where i'm like i like these characters and actually care that they're involved yeah. in this situation the fugitive you know? was yeah. a benchmark of its time but that was just prisoners yeah <laughs> you know, screw those guys yeah it's like the whole world is exploding around these kids yeah. and it's like just amazing to watch and and you know they're they're really running through some uh i mean obviously they're not throwing train cars around but 
shit's blowing up around these kids just <laughs> booking yeah. it through this uh, field, you know? That's that's a little more landish than Spielberg. Yeah. What too soon? <laughs> let but, it go. Uh, let it go. They, Roll through. They also, <laughs> they also um, just keep just, moving. Just putting did, that out there. He did point out that, um, uh, you know, he he said it's deliberately over the top in the sense that this is this is the train wreck that this the is kids, the worst train wreck that ever this, happened. Well, no, this is the train wreck that the kids will remember <laughs> when they tell this yes. story oh, twenty true, years yeah. from now. Okay. The train and wreck, not the train wreck that necessarily actually. What really happened, happened was it just sort of slipped off the rails and fell <laughs> yeah. over. Yeah, it did when one car caught fire. It yeah. Great. It was awesome, and things were exploding so, and landing mm-hmm. around us. And oh so, I, as an ex- explanation, I was like, I accept that. I don't. I didn't really have an objection to it being like huge and over the top because I'm just so used to that in movies anyway <laughs> nowadays. But for him to explain it like that, I'm like, no, I buy that. Sure, why not? Maybe that was a hint at the, at the symbolism that he can't let go. I mean, he, we've he, had a couple he, of he, shots. He where had that. Yeah. He had that moment where he's scared and he subconsciously pulls it out. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. It's, that's. It's I mean, there. the, the legwork is there. Yeah, He's it's d- just not. It's just not strong enough to be the end of the film. You know, to be the final turning. Yeah. Point well, of I the mean, film. we we have these shots that express that idea, yeah. but we're not seeing how his behavior is yeah. guided by that belief I feel or like, that's asked, you know. Yeah, it's more like those shots are just there to remind you he still has this locket, so when he pulls it back out at the end, you're not like, what the fuck is that? You know, as opposed to actually informing you about him in, right. in, in a yeah, meaningful it's, way. It's, again, I think it's more of an active protagonist thing. It's like, okay, he's why is he, is he behaving this way because he's he is this way and not behaving this other way because of some other reason. It's you know he's not, at the end you're going oh okay he hasn't been able to do this thing or behave this way all along because he's been holding on to his mom and now from now on he'll behave differently. It's just oh he has his locket every now and then. Yeah. But his behavior isn't really actually going to change at least in some concrete way that we can see. Yeah. It is a rather major success of this movie that scene to scene it's very engaging. Oh yeah. It drags you right through it and you're happy to go along. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's any sort of pacing stuff going on. That was weird. I feel <laughs> Was that a split diopter thing? Because now they're out of focus, but the first time they walked in, they were totally crisp. Uh, probably. Mm. But uh, I, I, it would be weird to do the same setup on two different yeah. lenses. But, um, Whoa. Interesting. Okay. Definitely a, definitely a big pull to focus on that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think you could have done a, done a little bit of a thing where it's like, where he's more reserved and they're trying to bring him back out of his shell maybe because he's just so you know happy and and fun the whole movie and he's your protagonist so you kind of you do need to be able to engage with him um and and people nowadays uh a lot of movies tend to err on the side too much of the protagonist is sad about something and that (laughs) gives him character you know so um i guess i appreciate them not going so far with it in this one but there still could have been an aspect where it's like he's more quiet than he normally is and they're like you know, they're in, they, they, part of why they're involving him in the film, part of why Charles is trying to involve him in the film is like, no, this isn't, you know, this isn't who you are. I'm trying to remind you of uh, and bring you back out of your shell because I I, it sucks, but we got to move on with our lives. Sure. I mean, movies, I don't know if Back to the Future counts, but Marty doesn't have a particular arc. In Back to the Future, no, he really doesn't. Sure, but there's not, but but you know, Back to the Future doesn't. Obviously, end it with has him it has someone who does letting go. Oh, yeah. of, well, Crispin you know. Glover has the arc and yeah. And, and, and as we've said before, you know, it, you're the character with the most amount of screen time doesn't necessarily have to be the one with the character arc, with, yeah. or yeah. you know, be the protagonist. You can give, you can give the most amount of screen time to Han Solo, and not necessarily Luke. And Luke Skywalker can be more of the satellite character, but somebody has to have 
some kind of arc where they change and they go from A to B. And right. yeah. Although if you gave the screen time to Han Solo, he has just as much of a character arc as Luke, arguably. That's true. Um, but so, I see what okay, you're saying. So that's not the greatest. I see example, what you're saying. You no, no, no. Saying. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Now I'm in like a nitpicky mode, trying to figure out if his other major movies without arcs. Does, who well, has an arc in Raiders? Well, I was going to say all the yeah. the uh, indie movies. There's no real. Well, the fourth one gives him a bit of an arc. Yeah, the, th- the third one I think gives him the most arc. Oh yeah, the, yeah. The, the, but uh, but those are more episodic. I mean, Star Wars yeah. is a saga. Yeah. Luke is learning to be a new character over the course of the whole thing, whereas. Indie is more like James Bond, where it's like every exactly. week. He gets well, a new James Bond. James Bond is, is a good yeah. example. James Bond doesn't grow. There's that's what there's only one. Except, epi- there's only one the movie ones. where he had experienced any major life experience. Well, that's know? that's why I, I think that's one of the things that was um, that I found surprising in Quantum of Solace, which was not a good movie, but I was I was still surprised that it was a direct follow up to the previous one, yeah. and he was still dealing emotionally with what he had been through in the previous that's one. True. So that's never part of the reason why like the Casino Royale is so wonderful, is yeah. because it gives him that yeah. it gives him an actual emotional ground to go. Yeah. Well, any 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 movie that has the you know the the lone the lone warrior wandering the wasteland character that that character never changes. You know, Mad, oh, yeah. Mad the, Max and Shane and everyone else, those those characters don't change. It's the people around them that change. If anyone does, God, that little kid with the firecrackers is made of teeth. He yeah. totally is, and I really, I, I think, as you were saying, that the the kid actors, the kid actors are all great, and and I think they, you have to, I, whoever whoever the casting people, Abrams, whoever, for casting kids who look like actual kids, oh, yeah. and, you know, and aren't, you know, perfect airbrushed little you know sitcom children like that kid. <laughs> that kid it's like I hope he I hope he has a long career. I can't imagine anyone casting him in anything ever, but he's <laughs> he's perfect for this. My friend actually uh helps cast the kids uh for this. Oh was, nice. Yeah. Well well played. Uh yeah, well she's just a like a casting but, couch kind of thing. Well Ooh. she's uh, she's an actress, but she does a lot of she'll she knows a lot of casting directors obviously, so she'll like help read for uh parts and uh sometimes. And she was she was saying that um because it's super eight, and you know, obviously, it's always very secretive that they couldn't tell the uh, agents or managers, "Okay, this is wow, you know, super eight and J.J. Abrams, so come on in." And some agents and managers were like, uh, "No, I'm not. I'm not sending my kid down for this thing." It, it's like, yeah, so we're having an audition in like half an hour, and it's Saturday, but you know, this is what we need. So send your kids down for this, you know, project that I can't tell you what the name of it is. And then some stupid agents and managers be like, "No, I'm not sending. No, screw you." And it's like. Don't understand. <laughs> I can't tell you what the name of the project is. That's so because it's big. Yes. Yeah. It's really trust me in your best interest. Well, maybe that's good. We got the we got the lesser known. You know. Yeah. More. Maybe. More, you know. Not, not people without the powerhouse agents, which is good. Hey, it's that guy from that uh, yeah. Jim Carrey See? movie. And yeah, and uh, uh, there's. This and moment I, here where it's like someone out there has a role of this film. Yeah. Never comes up again. Yeah. <laughs> Never even going to Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. I mean, they're able to send it to get developed and returned. Yeah. They get it back. At, at no point does anyone go, huh, that's fucking crazy. Well, that was back in the day when you could, you know, take child porn to Photomat and no one would call the cops. Ah. It, was, it was a happier time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, happier. <laughs> you sick bastard. <laughs> well, because we would do stuff like, we would do that. You'd take pictures and you're like, oh, wow, we'll get these developed. It looks like we killed somebody. Like, <laughs> but no one ever called the cops on me and I had some pretty heinous stuff developed. So, you know, it worked out. Digital cameras really changed the way that people got arrested. <laughs> really changed the the ability to perform criminal activity in your home. In the chat room, someone's like, Trey is dark today. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 70s. You weren't there. We're getting closer know. to the truth, man. Yeah. <laughs> We're uncovering things bit by bit. I just, I wonder if that kid, uh, you're talking about the kid with the braces. I, I would like to think that he came in and didn't have the braces. And they said, 
We're putting braces. We're putting braces on him. That's well, gonna be even the, better. Uh, it's the young Kirk from 2009 Star Trek. Is so, that the same kid? Yeah, same kid. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm sure it was. Sure? Ju- yes. Really? I've I've seen Star Trek a few times. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So well, JJ, that was that, but JJ's going. I got a role for you. That's, yeah, he's that's like great. he probably loved the kid and was like, you know what? You're, but we're gonna put monstrous braces on you. Yeah. Okay. Good. So it was a, a deliberate choice. I'm even happier. Now. Okay. Really so so here with the I when I huh. I really don't think that's young Kirk. I'm pretty sure it is. When I when I I see, I this, see it now, now that you mention it, I never I never thought I, of it, but I bet I, it is. I actually tend to forget about this cube thing because it's another MacGuffin it's that another goes thing. nowhere. It's, it's one of the few. It's 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 clearly an attempt to get the two stories together, right. even though yeah. it still doesn't bring them together in much of a meaningful way. Because the problem is that that the cube leaves the story of its own volition. <laughs> yes, <laughs> later it literally says, "I'm out of here." It <laughs> leaves, and they've got here's a split diopter effect for yeah, you. Yeah, but um, it, it just like what what I would have been um, what, what I thought might have been a a good way to to do this is, you know they're they're running around and blah blah blah. They've got the bit at the end where he gets picked up by the the alien and they have their little moment of you know empathy and understanding. Um, that m- my opinion is that should have come at the end of Act Two when they were like. And and that's when when you know there's there's the uh, the transference of information kind of both ways when Joe real has that happen and he realizes oh my god like it's not trying to like kill everybody it just wants it's to just get home, home yeah. it just wants to go home and it can't because of that cube we took so they have to sneak back into the city that's overrun by the army that and, a war and zone. that's a war zone and get it so they can help the creature escape that works too totally works you know? yeah. Anyway, it's, we'll it's, bring that uh, up next time we, we have a script meeting with, J- with yeah. JJ about the movie. Listen, <laughs> we need to go back in time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Guys, we have to go back in time. Yeah. Because we can make Super 8 a classic. Yeah. Different kid, by the way. It is a different kid. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? The, uh, Certain. Y- yeah. Cause, <laughs> they don't even look alike. No, because this... They cause really this, do. They look they blonde No, because this kid, this kid came up for, for Super 8. He, he hadn't been in... Um, that's right. He was, a, he was a completely unknown. Yeah. Okay. Um... Although he, you know, he looks like kids you knew when, when he you were sure that looks age. like kids I knew. He looks a boy, but, does uh, he? Yeah. So okay. uh, he did have in the in the behind the scenes with his auditions and stuff. He did have braces at the time. He doesn't anymore, though. Well, I should hope not. But yeah. I don't know, man. I had braces for years. <laughs> That's mint. That's an expression I do not recall. So that must be from a different part of the world. Yeah. Or maybe you just weren't no. hip enough. He to just said keep that up with the lingo. Yeah, he mint. He well, was, was back just in saying the day that all with different the time. areas of the world had different lingos. That's right. They that actually, uh, um, they said that they got a little booklet of um, <laughs> of how slang, to talk seventies, how to talk seventies, so that if they, you know, because because he kind of encouraged them to play with it and and you know just interact a little bit to to <laughs> this guy. So, oh, this guy. Yeah. Oh. This guy. I saw this guy. I was like, oh my god, they totally nailed it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Boy, did I know guys like that. So uh, for improv stuff and, and whatnot, and uh, uh, what's her name, Elle Fanning? Yeah. yeah. She was saying, but the but the but uh, all of the boys just kept saying, dude. Yeah. <laughs> which was all, just automatically, which was not a thing. I'm a little then. put off by the fact that he just said in that earlier scene, just before he said mint, he said, this is awesome, which I yeah. that doesn't feel right to me either. It, it, we, may, we may well have said it, but I just it doesn't seem like, you know. Yeah, groovy or something like yeah. that probably would have been more. But mint isn't familiar to me either, so. I mean, not that you can't, you know. Mint seems to be just a him thing, though. Yeah, <laughs> like, no one else true. says it. Yeah. It's just He's trying to make fetch thing. a thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, right. that's so fetch. That's jerking. Ooh, that <laughs> sounds dirty. It's totally streets ahead. <laughs> 
Oh, and, and, and the, the scene there, the, the scene there, by the way, where he, um, where he's calling her. Um, there's a there's a really um, charming behind the scenes moment where he he calls JJ over and he goes, okay, so I'm I call L right or whatever her name is. I call her right on on the phone. He's like, yeah, I don't know how to dial this. Because <laughs> it's a rotary phone. He's like, I don't know how I'm supposed to call it. I love how he threw up a flag before they shut. By the way, real fast, what? Yeah. He's like, I don't know <laughs> the what fuck I'm supposed is to this? Do. What is this? It's, uh, it's, it's... I need to so, call her with a phone. So he had to be taught how to dial the rotary phone. It's, it's weird. It seems like it'd be fairly intuitive yeah. to dial a rotary phone. Maybe Especially since that's it. where the term dial comes from. Yes, and yes exactly. Use it. A dial tone. Well, actually, um, some friends of mine have a kid who's about. Ten now, and and they uh, they when they they own this van, this big uh, big cargo van that they used to use to carry stuff around, and 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 but they 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 still own this van, but they let their neighbors use it. Um, the, their neighbor technically bought it from them or whatever, but uh, they they get it back if they ever need to move stuff. And uh, my friends are talking about how just last week they 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 borrowed the van back, and their son had never really spent any time in the van, and uh, he w- he couldn't figure out he was why is there this big crank wheel on the uh, door? I was I was thinking about that. Is, <laughs> yeah. At which point are we going to fa- because the question that you always hear when it's conversations like this, or at least that I always do, is when is the rolling the window gesture going to be compl- like no one will know what it means? Yeah. Like already the save icon is a floppy disk, which kids don't. Yeah. They, they yeah. just know that the, that just the, means the, save. Squ- the yeah. square yeah. is the save, but I don't know what that is. Things like that are interesting to me. So are helicopters. Yeah. Awesome. I just, this has got to be a massive digital shot, Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, that, an, that's an extension. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And a beautiful one it is, too. Especially through all the little, you know. Uh, uh, dog tails or whatever those things yeah. are called. Yeah, I know. My God, it's like, oh, JJ, you have to shoot it through weeds yeah. for frick's sake. <laughs> of course. You do. What uh, have we? Uh, what have we learned about JJ Abrams from his uh, from his features? What kind of style of guy is he? Uh, because we, you know, we know enough about Fincher to sort of get a sense of the Fincher thing. But for me, so far, JJ projects just sort of seem. Well, it's really hard to describe. I mean, uh, that's what I'm talking about now. Is if, if we can divine any of the characteristics that sort of connect the three things. They're, they're all pretty. They're all well shot, I think. They're all... I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to remember... <laughs> it's I, really I, hard I'm to not sure. Well, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to go, go off of just three movies as well. Because which, all three of them are, are in different styles intentionally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, they're all in very, very different genres. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If you're just going off of his feature directorial stuff, I don't know if we have enough data to... Yeah, I don't. I don't remember Mission Impossible three hardly at all. And I never, to... I never saw that one. That's yeah. a good one. I actually prefer it to Mission Impossible four. Really? really? Yeah, wow. it's great. Plus, you get Philip Seymour Hoffman being a badass. <laughs> which sign me up mm-hmm. every time. Probably should check out three because it's just after two, I was like, I don't want to watch any more Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, but... man. If Mission Impossible two didn't throw you off Mission Impossible, nothing would. But three is worth watching. <laughs> well, it did. <laughs> <laughs> it was only because everyone was talking about four so much that I saw that, and it was well worth it. So I mean, to take a step back and check out three. One one thing that that, um, <laughs> that poor I feel kid like... in his braces, his mouth is a triangle. <laughs> it really is. One one thing I feel like Abrams uh, is why he has the braces. good at that I like is a, a more classical sense of he does. I mean, he does coverage like here, but he's also he'll also open up the camera for like two shots and master shots and and stuff like that. Uh, particularly in this one because he's emulating Spielberg, um, who would who would do a lot of that stuff. In fact, there are probably more close-ups in this uh, uh, movie than Spielberg would have had early on. Um, but, uh, you know, just very, very uh, clean, not flashy filmmaking and not 
Um, not not also also not lazy filmmaking where he just sets up a camera and has someone talk oh. and sets up another camera and cuts between them. You know, he he actually stages shots and moves the camera through them and and you know finds right uh, it, uh, interesting things to do. Uh, it's, it's not to, to cutting tell for the, the sake of cutting, and you can tell that it, it's actually storytelling in the yeah. in the frame. Yeah, he's moving the camera as much in the same way Spielberg does. He's moving the camera as a character within the scene. Yes. As opposed to just okay, this guy's here, this that guy's there. Shot, reverse shot, shot, reverse yeah. shot. Which, which is also um, one of the things that that uh, distinguishes Fincher um, in so many ways. And he even said it himself. Uh, someone asked him about you know the way he kind of shoots and stuff like that. He's like, well, I actually. He basically said, I'm paraphrasing this, and I may be making him sound like a bit more of an asshole than he was, but something to the effect of, well, I actually bother with staging in <laughs> in the scene, and I think about that as opposed to just you know putting the characters there and pointing cameras at them. Right. Sometimes I have them do handstands. Yeah. It's important for the scene. It helps tell the story. That's right. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, the, the line we can draw is that J.J. Abrams is a very good filmmaker. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that he's I good agree. at this. Um, and and as he's he, actually, J.J. Abrams and Joss Whedon are very contiguous. They're guys who have done, you know, written and I believe directed, you know, written literally hundreds of hours of television, <laughs> directed dozens of hours of television. Um, you know, that's and that's that's how that's how a lot of people used to come up in the in the business is, you know, Started as television directors. Steven Spielberg, for example, started as a television director who then got a shot at features. So, um, you know, but going back to the 50s, you know, Richard Donner came from television. Uh, you know, all these people came from television. So, so the, you know, you, you would hope that someone who has spent that much time crafting popular entertainment has, by the time they get to their, their feature projects, that they, they have some skills, you would hope, you know, and then that yeah, ten, but, tends to be the case. But, but at the same time, a, a lot of... Um... I feel like uh, the, there there's a risk where you you have to shoot television so fast that you do tend to err on the side of you're there you're there two cameras coverage go and then you know you're just running and gunning like that for the most part you, the the you know the bit here with uh, with uh, the kid coming up soon walking through and and you know it goes up and you see the the reflection of the alien and the gasoline and stuff like that. That's something that you would very, very rarely see in a television show. Well, I, think, I think it's the kind of thing, though, if you've directed lots of television, is the kind of thing that you wish you wish had you, time to yeah. do. <laughs> so you, when you kind of get your shot, at like, I can have a whole week to shoot this whole sequence. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh, I can get that shot of the alien and the gasoline that I would have wanted to do. Kelvin, I believe, to answer your question, Teague, is his mother's maiden name or something? It's a family name in his family. Ah. But did he use the word Kelvin because it was in Star Trek? Well, that's he. Well, yes. He named the ship Kelvin for the same reason. Yeah. Oh, so oh, I thought you meant Kelvin. I thought you meant someone in the movie owned that store and that was their maiden oh. name. And I'm like, yeah. wow, you know a lot about this movie. I remember that. I remember it's that. A, it's it, actually like JJ's mom's name or something. Right, like and it's the reference in both Star Trek and this is the same. Thankfully remember, for Star Trek, it, Kelvin just so happens to, to be, be the same name as a famous scientist. So it works, but yeah. yeah. I remember that moment in the theater being very, um, like, almost by the numbers, like just the way he structured it with the the dumpster coming out, because it's like noise, noise, noise. It kind of dies out, and you can literally count to three precisely. You <laughs> can go three, noise. two, one, <laughs> boom, and it does it. And uh, it's it's you know, I, I I don't know what to say about that. I don't think it's. I think most people wouldn't have that, you know, <laughs> it kind of pacing in their brains. So most people are probably paying that close yeah. attention. <laughs> so, so uh, all I can say is, it's like he 
he nailed exactly the way that you do that scene. I'm still trying to wrap my head around why this looks and feels so Spielbergy. And here's another thing it might be. Well, this this kind of tracking shot exactly. is exactly the sort of thing where you Spielberg. change the you change the blocking of the shot by moving the camera up, down, and also in, out, and all around. You're changing the blocking and of the. There's less camera editing and, the and more camera moving. Yeah, absolutely. Something someone might accomplish this with a series of inserts. He accomplishes it by just moving the camera all across the the setup, and then putting a pompadour in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's getting ready for the 80s. He knows the 80s is coming, so. No, he's just holding on to the 50s. That's right. He Dude, pompadours are like. Can't let go. It's like the waves. They just keep coming and coming and coming. <laughs> when are bell bottoms coming back? Oh, soon, I hope. I like that. I, I, I did like how the uh, how it was hidden by the spinning gasoline yeah. sign. I was like, okay, that's clever. I see what you're doing here. Ooh, good makeup job. <laughs> she's She's invented goth. You're ready to go to college in the year 2005. The little scene coming up here where she uh, does the zombie walk, I was like, <laughs> that is so good, I would be freaking out. Yeah, if I that's that exactly game. right. Like, okay, dude, I thought the scene, the scene works really well because it's like the cute girl's walking toward me. I'm scared to death because she's, she's, she's a zombie. a cute girl or because she's a zombie. This is, how zo- this, is, this is how they get you, the damn zombies. Cause you go, Isn't she cute? Yeah, she's coming to eat your brains, man. Run. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and he builds models, which, yeah. okay, why? Well, it's well, a character. Because hey, 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 hey. he does. I totally relate to that, the whole idea of, like, I'm going to you know, build this model and make it as perfect as I can so we can set it on fire and blow it up. Oh, it's sure. Like, I, I totally relate to that. I, it's just, it's just a, a, another kind of economy of detail thing where it's like I, feel like, I feel like that should come up later as opposed to just being a thing he does. But here we go. Well, yeah, and then there's the whole <laughs> God. Well, there's the payoff, dude. Okay. I'm freaked out. Yeah, yeah. she really, really, because I'm because I'm in love. Personally. Yeah, exactly. I'm it's not freaked boy. out. I'm in love. Ty, this is the very definition of mixed emotions. <laughs> like, uh, um, no, seriously, cut it out. Yeah, no, seriously, seriously stop. stop. <laughs> I'm gonna punch you in the face. I'm gonna punch you in the face. I swear to God. Seriously, you want to like swat at her? Stop <laughs> it. Okay, you you've got the job. Okay, just stop please, doing stop, that. Stop, 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 stop. Uh, but with regards to the model train, there's this like weird payoff later where he's like oh okay yeah no i'm gonna stand up for myself and not let you blow up the model but we can i'll make another one specifically for that purpose and it's there is a setup and payoff to it but then that setup and payoff doesn't fit into the overall larger scheme of the movie yeah oh dutch crane <laughs> kenneth Branagh, <laughs> kenneth Branagh <laughs> visiting the set that day shot. you know what's good if you touch the camera uh, there, there was a uh there's a shot in the uh the train crash sequence the, one of the very <laughs> first shots where the where the camera kind of rolls as the as the train's coming towards them. That I something think that I'm thinking uh, of now. Effective. Uh, I'm just really loving watching this movie again, and it occurs to me. How about this, everybody? Shut up. Can we, can we, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish we had a, uh, everybody go that? home. I wish <laughs> we had an echo button on the mixture board so I could say it very loudly. Everybody, everybody, let's everybody. all always try all to make movies like Steven Spielberg movies, and just see like what fucking Steven happens. Spielberg. How about that? <laughs> See if let's, I can happen, happen, happen. Yeah. let's just all all the time try to make movies like Steven Spielberg. Well, I'll y- bet you we're going to do worse. And it's we're Homer gonna, for some reason. Dan Castellaneta, Homer which, Simpson. Which I totally Homer didn't Simpson. catch the first time. I was rewatching it the other day. Like that's Dan Castellaneta. I have a I have a weird radar yeah, for really that great, guy. As really soon as I wig. see him, I'm like, there he is. There yeah. is a and there's a gradient toupee. And I highly recommend toupee. the uh, the various Stargate series if you're at all into that. Uh, although it is a very daunting thing because there's like. 18 or something seasons worth of uh, television for that franchise. But there is an episode with uh, Dan Costanelanetta in SG-1 where he, pl- he has a guest <laughs> role. He also shows up amazing. in an episode of 
fuck, what's Marky Mark's TV show that he produces? Entourage. Yeah. He shows up in Entourage. Whenever I, whenever I see a, a Simpsons voice actor in anything, I always feel good about that. Yeah. Because I think, well, clearly they wanted him to do it, and he wanted to do this because this they is not for the money. Sure yeah. how long he work. <laughs> this is not for the money. But of all of them, I, I, Hank Azaria is my oh, favorite yeah. person to watch ever. Yes. yes. It's a really shame that Hank he Azaria- He makes Godzilla- Fun to watch. It's really like, I, I, he's just a blast to watch. On I'm screen. really sorry that Hank Azaria's new sitcom got canceled after one episode because I was like really oh the couple sleeping I don't know I remember the billboard yeah it, it ran for one episode so, under, undercover undercover I not something like that I, yeah. yeah I saw the pilot and it was like well you know it's a pilot I actually had a lot of things that were really interesting about it um and uh, I I was you know I would have liked to have seen where where it developed plus but, of course the god uh, not the Godfather the Birdcage yeah is your is your my standard. Hank Azaria love starts he, there. Well, he's great in that. Absolutely. Free and agents. He's great. Thank you, Jimmy. Free he's, agents. That's he's right. great in, in all his, all of his uh, comedic stuff, obviously. But he's actually a really su- amazingly talented Glass. dramatic actor. He's, in Shattered he's Glass. amazing he's in yeah. Shattered he's Glass. He's really good in that. I kept waiting for him to do something funny, <laughs> and he never did. Break and out I was the funny. blown <laughs> away by how, like... Just the the depth of his performance in that, I was I was shocked by it. And his uh, <laughs> his performance in uh, uh, Quiz Show is a little more you know oh, melodramatic. Yeah, he was a Quiz Show, but uh, but he's still not doing a funny thing. He's just kind of a sleaze, and uh, and he's great. Hmm. We should probably talk about speaking of actors. Talk about Mister. Um, to me, to me, he's always. I can't not call him Nix. Because he's Nick's from uh, Band of Brothers, but um, <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, Friday Night Lights, I guess, is what people probably more you know. And, and the actor's actual name is Taylor Kitsch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we'll get to him. Yeah. Um, help me out, anyone? I, you'll have to give me time. Friday Night yeah, Lights, Kyle something. Um, yes. Kyle well, something. Meanwhile, in the chat Kyle room, something. we're still talking about. I think we're still talking about Hank Azaria. Might be talking about him. But he's, he's in the chat. Jimmy says, "Yeah, he's in Heat." Ewing says, "Everyone's in Heat." Spork says, "Your mom's in Heat." <laughs> Oh, come Yikes. to the chat room, everybody. That's how we got Ewing. Come to the chat room. So, uh, but he's also really good too. Kyle, Kyle Chandler. Chandler. Kyle Chandler um, is really every every time Thanks. he shows up in something, I'm like, I like that guy. I like that guy. That guy's good. <laughs> that guy should be in more things. Of I don't know who he, that guy is, but I enjoy him. Of course, he is in a lot of things. I just don't happen to watch them. I mean, you know, Friday Night Lights ran for like what five seasons, and and uh, never saw it because it's about football. So you know. Apparently it's good, even though it's about football. I think we're actually about to start watching it here because Jeff has those episodes, and the show is supposed to be very good. It's supposed to be very good. I'm looking forward. Apparently to it's about other things besides football. I, I guess it's a show that has football in it, but it also has you know. This is a electricity. Uh, this we can definitely say this is a Spielberg scene. This is this is a this, oh, is, a, this, yeah. is, this is a Jaws scene. It's like it's a monster scene with no monster in it. Yep. Where you're just like, oh my god, leaves, leaves and darkness. <laughs> the leaves are rustling. <laughs> Now something else, and so, and a bit of Jurassic Park as well. Yeah, just because oh, he's yeah. so high in the <laughs> the yeah. trees. I, I wonder. Like. Uh, I wonder what the deal is with John Williams in this movie. Like, if they asked him, or if JJ was like, "I can't not ask Giacchino to do this because he loves the same movies." And Williams might. I think Giacchino's his dude, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I think. I think it's uh, one of those things where him, JJ, you know. if JJ was maybe secretly hoping, ho- hoping that in this case Giacchino would be like, "I really can't," and JJ would be like, "Oh, all right, man." Oh, it, but inside, he'd be like. Yes, let's ask John Williams. No, I think G- no, Giacchino, Giacchino fucking owns it. No, he, I, I, he's the he is the new John Williams. Why wouldn't yeah, you get him? Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think it was Abrams' problem. And my speculation would be Abrams going to Giacchino. Go, hey, you want to play Williams? Let's 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 play Spielberg and Williams. He's already done every other major composer. That player looks interesting. Yeah. And so apparently, these 
are pretty much the the actual residents of the town where they shot in Weirton. Oh, and yeah. They were like, just be, you know. And this, I mean, this is straight out of Jaws, this whole scene. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And a little bit of Close Encounters as well. Deleted scene from Close Encounters where they had the press conference and the, what the what's really going on and what's the government doing? It's, uh, I don't think it ever made a... a Ended up in a final cut of the movie, but it's a, a no. It's, it's I don't think it's in is theatrical, it, it's but in it's extended, in one of the yeah. extended cuts. Yeah, that's a bullshit. Yeah, these again. These look like people. Yeah, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know, it's it's Trey, you can't say things it's like really, that. I know it's like really it's quite disturbing when you see a room full of actual human beings that aren't all. You know, casted extras who yeah. just have that. They're not you know. central casting, you know, and that's I think that's another thing that makes it feel more like a 70s movie in a weird way yeah. is that all the a lot of the extras and stuff like that it's like you can tell it's back back in those days it was just like who's around who wants to come hang out and get a free lunch and yeah. that's how you got your extras whereas yeah. now there's a whole industry of professional extras yeah. you know you like me to wear my tux or my suit of armor yeah I was like, oh, because i get an extra number 25 bucks if i wear my suit of armor you guys right. looked at the uh, the wiki page for this right and some of the behind the scenes stuff that was I, written there i watched the we didn't have wiki pages in the 70s <laughs> <laughs> well there was a statement on there i that watched that the behind the scenes but there not was a statement game. on there that i found confusing um okay because it mentions very authoritatively, probably written by someone who doesn't know anything about visual effects. <laughs> Wikipedia Brown that takes they, his word for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that the uh, they wanted to have shot large portions of the kids' stuff actually on Super Eight, but they couldn't because it would be impossible to do effects on that footage because it's so grainy. And that seems, I mean, that might be impossible, but we've we've sure been looks matching like Super Eight to me. We've been well, they, I, yeah. Well, they they color corrected it back, I guess. But that seems like well, we've been matching think, grain for a long time. I think, I think we can handle that. I think they probably maybe it was a color. I correction? think they probably meant the the actual alien shot, like the the yeah. alien Super Eight they, shot, because there was a significant. I I did see in the behind the scenes they're shooting something with the kids, and it's not on the Super Eight cameras for whatever reason and jj's going that doesn't look like super eight because it, the, the depth of field is falling off too fast like mm-hmm. we gotta we gotta do something about that so that w- it was just a quick thing so um i i don't know what that was for and i imagine that the alien was it, uh, thing the train was, station scene i i don't remember i think I, so i think yeah, that's the only scene that has i mean that's the only section of the film that would have effects. any special effects for the super eight film yeah. when the, they rest of the super eight film that they're making it's, it's just, like it's just and that, and yeah. if if it's I you know I, I will look at it again when it comes up it it struck me as like I I imagine that looks like real because there's no reason not to you can still get Super Eight film you can yeah. still shoot on yeah. Super Eight film um, a lot of it they did a lot of the, yeah the the, I think their actual stuff. movie is actually them you know the cameras are practical and they're they're actually shooting so I, I I understand the idea though of of I think it probably in today's world it's probably easier. To make to, to create a high like, res shot right. and then make it dumb it down to look like Super Eight for the purposes of your of the one shot that they did that for. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure. It's but yeah, if you were to like if you were like no, we're going to shoot the whole movie on Super Eight and track <laughs> it and match the grain. It's like, uh, do we have to do that? That's, well, I mean, they didn't that's do that. Extreme. They didn't do that uh, on Cloverfield because it would have been too difficult right. to do the effects that way. So, I just remember weeping when I watched the all the people that were in the cast for tracking. Or in the credits for tracking on Cloverfield, I'm just like, yeah. oh, oh man. you heroes, you heroes. Yeah, I bet that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite something. It's weird. It's again. It's it's he weird. We've talked Mike about this. Look yeah. Like that man is insane. We've talked about this. And I actually like the, maybe because I, I I don't do it like as a regular thing, but I've just done it four shots when I've had to. But I'm like, I like match moving. I'd rather do that. <laughs> I kind of I kind of now that the and I even I haven't even upgraded to to CS. 
five five or six, which oh. apparently is spectacular. I'm on CS three, and I'm going. I love tracking with CS three because yeah. when you when something when you nail it, and then you just like, oh, look at that. It's I mean, it's, yeah, it's something that when we did Starship Troopers it was like a nightmare. Like, oh god, tracking. No, we have to have lock off shots. Everything has to be lock off. And now you know. Oh man, home you computer should... tracking. Sure, no problem. Blam. You should it. get a hold of Synthize. It's so awesome. <laughs> 3D tracking is like See, this. This is the modern equivalent of nerding out. Yeah. About, they, if these, if these, there's there's kids like them right now somewhere in a small town going, oh dude, you gotta get Synthize. It's yeah. It's it's mint. Synthize is so great. Like if <laughs> any idiot like me can do an awesome match move in Synthize, it's great. Well, I have to check that out. This kid, though, I I I, I totally relate to the director kid because again, it's like there's there's army guys. We got to get the camera to come up with a scene. Doesn't matter what scene, any scene. It's like I. That's how I operate to this day. Is that's a cool thing. Let's invent a scene for that. In uh in college, my roommate and I had the bright idea of uh, doing a disaster movie and saving all of uh, any kind of money on production value by just doing it during an actual hurricane. Of which we had several had seen. Nice. Brilliant. <laughs> so where did they get his his army costume? That's where I want to know. Yeah. How did they How did they get it that fast with his beret and everything? So we got our friend Anthony to run across. Army surplus uh, stores are awesome for that's that. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, an empty street a Especially couple of times 70s. before he said, "You know what? I'm not going to do this anymore." <laughs> so that that was the end of our little disaster movie. I remember doing a short film uh, with the. Stereotypical exploding tanks and you light little toys on fire stuff early on in mine uh, in my bullshit filmmaking career. <laughs> my first thing I did was a stop motion animation thing I did with the Scrabble board and having the words come out and animate each other and Ooh. spell words and do funny things. On a VHS-C camera. Nice. That's the one with the little half a size tapes that you have to put into the bigger size VHS tape. Ah, to look right, at. right. <laughs> you had to buy like a little converter couple tape. What? <laughs> I remember on uh, the filmmaking class I took in high school, we had to edit. Uh, we shot it on VHS, and then we had to edit linearly. The only time I've ever edited linearly in my life, we <laughs> had to like stop and then go, okay, this piece of footage, and then manually, you know, uh, record it onto the other videotape. We had so many cuts in our thing that by the time that we were done, we had pretty much demagnetized the videotape yeah. itself. <laughs> my God, the art department on this movie. Oh yeah, they, because they had. I, I'm like. Looking at it again, going, they had to find an entire neighborhood and entire neighborhoods and dress them, period. You know, it's like the, so the, the houses themselves had to be. Right. Well, they. they Except it's still to be a 70s neighborhood. Exactly. Yeah. It pretty much has to be a 70s or at least a pre 70s neighborhood. They, they uh, talk in the behind the scenes. It's a place called Weirton, I believe, in West Virginia, and it was a steel town. You see the, the, um, the steel factory. Ah. And uh, basically, when the steel industry started to uh, run into oh, trouble. A lot of empty houses. A lot of. Well, a lot of empty houses and a lot of. They didn't really modernize the town it wasn't right. a town that that kept up with the time so when they got there it's like this <laughs> still west virginia <laughs> yeah no. this out. still practically <laughs> they got there and they're like this is still basically the 70s right here That's... and they were able to just kind of dress some storefronts and and other than that it was the 70s again it's fantastic and i was surprised at, at how detailed they got maybe it was just because you know that's just the way they came like the the uh, period vehicles and stuff but it showed like an extra in his vehicle and it was just talking to him he's like yeah i got my you know my eight track there was an eight track <laughs> in the car <laughs> like <laughs> with with the i can't remember what the the name of it was but it like there was an an eight track with probably you it know one better of the top have been 40. bad out of hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was just like wow they they went out of their way for for that so 
Great scene. We just talked over. Yeah. Uh, doesn't, they completely ignored this wonderful scene. Doesn't yeah. actually really uh, necessarily connect with anything, but uh, great emotional scene, great performance from the kid. And and uh, on the official commentary, which I, uh, is not a great commentary um, because – Who does it? Uh, JJ, the – Down in front, the, sucks. Yeah. The, yeah. the DP and uh, one or two of the producers, I think. Um, but they're they're just they they don't talk about making the movie as much as they're just kind of sitting around, you know, palling around and having fun and and cracking jokes and stuff like that with each other, um, which is fine. I, and I guess they're kind of reliving their Super Eight days as well because in the behind the scenes you see they all made Super Eight films themselves. Um, but uh, one interesting thing is he talks about that scene and. Uh, um, when the you know the the Joe uh like the tear comes out of his eye and he's like, I can't when when actors do that it's so much like it's showing off to me so I was like <laughs> I made him wipe the tear away instead of just cutting away from it I was like he was like I was behind the camera like wipe it off wipe because <laughs> yeah, that's so, what you, that's what you do in real life yeah, yeah as opposed to an actor goes oh my god I totally just nailed it yeah. Did you see that <laughs> just a single tear rolls down my cheek yeah yeah no so one, you so no one just leaves it yeah tor- so towards the end he the, he wipes and he stays yeah. in character but apparently JJ was totally like yelling yeah, at him silently from behind the camera <laughs> to make him do that. <laughs> Don't cry, little Nancy boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you when to cry. I'm gonna tap Jeff in because he likes this movie and he'll probably have more interesting things to say about it than me. Okay. Anyway, tap. But that's where I went. Okay, bye. This guy, uh, the uh, the science guy, Mr. Science Teacher <laughs> no. Man. Every I thought you were gonna Black say guy, the guy the from the guy? Truman Show. No. Who every time I see him, I'm for a second I'm like Biff, and then I'm, no. I <laughs> know <laughs> he's he's very he's our modern day Biff. Um, I'm just trying to avoid saying the black guy, but you know who I mean. <laughs> he, um, I just—I was always struck by like he, the fact that he survived that crash. Yeah, <laughs> like wow, you you indestructible motherfucker. Yeah, I totally thought it was going to turn into a thing where he was somehow the yeah as like, well. No human could survive that yeah. crash. His part in it too seems kind of arbitrary. This this sort of, you know, yes, he you're this important guy, and, and then we kill him. You know, which yeah, I guess you know shows stakes, and it shows yeah. that these. You know the Truman Show man is 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 bad He's and for business, out for business. That's right. <laughs> he came to play. So. If if I recall uh, correctly, like all the flies buzzing around and stuff like that, that wasn't part of it. I they can't. just couldn't get rid of them. Yeah, I think that. Yeah. <laughs> so they're it's like hard to get flies a, to do that stuff on you. Like, wow, this guy is on his way out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's <laughs> actually got flies on him already. <laughs> it ends up it ends up working, but they I think they just liked you know the the corn syrup being used for the blood, and so oh, they, they wouldn't leave it. the guy yeah. alone. They're like, mm, nom nom nom, om nom nom. It was a strong Hi, creative choice. It creeped the hell out of me. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Brian. Hi. How you doing? He's got Good. flies on him. I would say no flies on you, but <laughs> well. I, it, it always makes me think of that one scene in Raiders where uh, where Belloc is in the canyon. And, yeah. and, and by he God, eats, he's so committed he's to the so, performance. He, he does eats it. the fly. Mm-hmm. He does not. It flies away. <laughs> Maybe after they called cut. <laughs> no, it's like well, he, definitely, he no, put he, it, squirreled it away in his cheek no. so that it wouldn't ruin it the take. It fucking flies away. Don't yeah, start no, with me you don't on this see shit. it fly away. Yeah, you, you see do. it go in. You don't see it come. You don't out. see it. You don't see it go in either. You see it on his lip, then you see it not on his lip. It's a it's one frame difference. World's it's fastest a, fly. I don't think I don't think any actor would just keep on talking if a fly went in their mouth during a take. <laughs> this is going to be so awesome ten years from now on DVD if I do this. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, now she's at his window. She's yeah. a tramp. Yeah. But well, now you're just easy. But she's the good kind of tramp. Yeah. She's the tramp you want when you're a kid. 
have we made mention yet of the fact that that this actor, what's her name, Elle Fanning? Elle is Fanning, that right? yeah. What was she? Thirteen during principal she, photography? Yeah. yeah, I think she was like. She's the good. she's the younger Fanning. This uh, this what do we say? Seventy nine. This movie is yeah. yeah. He's he's got a space shuttle with an orange tank in the background. That's not right. I hope what somebody got fired over that. Yeah, I hope, <laughs> I hope uh, yeah. job. somebody lost their job over that one. We've achieved nerdism here. So seventy nine. When did the uh, Arch Tank come in? Oh, Oracle of the Space Shuttle. Uh, well, and here comes and here comes Yoko Ono telling him, yes, he's trying exactly. to screw up the movie by telling him <laughs> yeah. not to blow up his train. Um, That's well, true. The, Chicks, the, man. The tank was painted white for the first couple of missions, and yeah. they're like, you know what? That paint is adding several hundred pounds of <laughs> yeah. weight, and it just leave just it makes factory, it look pretty. Leave so. the rust proofing on and it. And it's so hard to keep it clean. Yeah, it looks like looks like hell. And it just burns up in the atmosphere anyway. But let me uh, find the dates. I do remember I do remember the space shuttle originally being white, you know, and yeah. then when it turned to orange, it's like, what? Some kind of Soviet shuttle? Did we lose a war? <laughs> orange is what they would do. <laughs> Brian's Googling furiously. Or, yes, uh, exactly. Yes. When did the space shuttle... <laughs> When so, did the space shuttle main tank become orange? Did you just go to the moviemistakes.com page <laughs> for this movie? <laughs> so he's, like... I do want to just freeze frame this and look at the rest of the set decor. Oh, yeah. Super 8 film keeps coming... What a lucky moment there. I know. They were really like, nailed it! The, the locket, too. Either that or just put it in the kid's mouth. Put it, It'll be cool. See, this looks to me... It could well be dumbed down, but this looks like... This could be real Super 8. Oh, sure. If not, they've they've crunched it in a proper way. But uh, he he certainly... The movie uses Super 8 film at thematic moments. There's this, there's the Super 8 where they just, the, the one that has the alien on it, the, the footage of the, uh, of the test, I believe. I believe that's actually 16, but I, I don't know oh, if they would make a thing of it. But it would, in yeah, logic, it would have it would to be, be 16. 16. Yeah, but, but still little projectors, like, those come up at thematic moments, so, okay, or plot-based moments, but that's not quite enough. <laughs> it's, it's another thing, it's, it's, the idea of Super 8, you know, and Mom, and this is the only way I can still be with her, and that is like, again, yes, but... That doesn't tie does into it anything. Tie into, it doesn't quite tie into something. It doesn't yeah. quite bring it together with this whole thing. Like, it's not... There's nothing about the, the alien on the film where it's like, that's, that's bringing the alien... I, that's yes, like, I can still be with him at any time. Oh, you know, look, there's, like a, there's an alien on Super 8. That reminds me of my mom. Yeah. It, which, no, it doesn't really. Another another great uh, little performance she gives here. She's really good. And really? has she done anything since then? Because it was when this, of course, was part of the hype when this movie came out. It was all about, oh, these kids are all going places. Yeah. And I don't recall seeing any of them in anything since. No. Not that they were. It hasn't know, been too long. They probably though, need so. to, you know, finish school and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but Elle Fanning, definitely. And, and, well, they're all good. Obviously, some of them have a future in character acting um, <laughs> um, and not lead. But, uh, well, but hey, they're all I mean, really good. You never know. I mean, if you had looked at the guy who plays Neville Longbottom in the first Harry Potter yeah. film, you go, you know. I. I don't that know kid has great, a great future in radio. I don't know if he's got a if he's got a future in a lead now, but uh, maybe. Oh, he, if you see pictures of him now, you're like, I I know what he looks like. I just tell me his big movie that he's working on. Yeah, or just well, just saying from a look standpoint. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He too. didn't get ugly. In case anybody cares, which nobody does, the the tank was white for the first two missions, but the first mission wasn't even until '81. So it's like, would he even have a, a model kit in '79? Shut up, movie. We hate you. <laughs> well, but, but, but that's that's the first actual launch. But we, I mean, when was the Enterprise? Well, yeah, it would have been. When, when was the Enterprise that point, actually? Um, that would have been flight test around eighty. 
Well, my suspension of disbelief is just right out the window. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I used to like this. Tegan introduced me by saying I like Well, I think the, uh, that's I did, fair. I think, the, I think the orange tank is probably probably is an anachronism. I think it's it's kind of surely it seems like they should have had a conversation. But as you know, the sh- the shuttle was on the drawing board for quite some time. So I, I imagine you probably could buy the Ravel model long before the real one existed. Yeah. Well, I, I will. I will say this about that. You know, taking in a, in, a, in a slightly more serious direction about the anachronism. I, yes, there is that one line of dialogue in the background on the TV about the the Three Mile Island thing that that you guys talked about earlier. I I wish that had not been in the movie. I like it, the it feel. Makes of it this. too specific. Yeah, I like the this sort of vaguely timeless quality. Yes, it's very much a, a period piece. See, he's got a big space shuttle. Yeah, the, the space. See that that I yeah. buy because yeah. that's like you know that's like the prototype. That's what the space shuttle. That's what the space shuttle is going to look like. That's what the space shuttle will look like if they ever build one. That's, I think that's I the kind of poster you would get. I you know it's true, but it's it's not the only way they they type it into they nail the time down. I mean, the Three Mile Island is only if you're enough of a nerd to went through or want to look it up. Went through my or if you lived through it, like we yeah, <laughs> exactly. But uh, but you know the mom's death date was on her tombstone. It was February seventy nine. Oh, um, I didn't, so I didn't it's think about that. yeah, it's uh, it's not like it's not like they 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 were making this to be timeless. They were making this specifically to be the summer of seventy nine. They just didn't ever have somebody say yeah. in dialogue. Well, you know, Boy, it now sure is great to be in nineteen seventy nine, dude. What are you thinking? It's it's nineteen seventy nine for Pete for Pete's sake. Which, Mint. Means, which I've seen movies which would have done <laughs> they that. They absolutely would. Yeah. Wake up and smell the, the 70s, man. <laughs> WZAZ, where disco lives forever. <laughs> this is a... I, I was really struck by this scene, the fact that, you know, the, the this is a really, really well put together scene, I thought. You know, the, the fact that this is a very unusual way to show a father-daughter dynamic, and yet you go, I totally can buy this. You know, the, it's not like... After school, especially, it's not like sit, you know, certainly not sitcommy, but you know, the the this the girl is actually standing up to her dad, and the dad is the one going, "Well, then just go." You know? Yeah, you know, it's like, well, that's that's a fascinating way to play it. And Runs like, into his room, yeah. and slams the door. Yeah. You mean you don't understand? <laughs> I don't know. You you just go out on that with your friends, and in, in many ways, you could you could make an argument that that's a scene. That for all of its good qualities doesn't belong in this movie. I mean, sure. it serves a plot purpose. I agree. It gets her out of the house so that the the rest of the movie can unfold. But as a as a little character moment, you can argue that it doesn't belong in the movie. That's one of the reasons I like this movie as much as I do is because there are so many things you can point to and say, you know what, this in a, this doesn't belong in a monster movie. This doesn't belong in a B movie. Which this movie. Well, I think looks there, I like. think there's a there's a distinction to be made though between this doesn't belong this doesn't normally belong in this kind of movie which I'm totally down with versus this doesn't belong in this movie because it accomplishes nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. You're, you're, you're right. You that can is have an important this, distinction, and I yeah. make the first thing. You you can have this kind of moments, uh, but preferably this kind of moment that does directly tie into the story in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And another example of that moment is his car crash. Yeah. He crashes his car and. The ramifications of that don't really come up again. Well, no, that's true, but but it does well, prevent yeah, him from helping her. We, so we don't want to get too Blake Snyder about everything in life. Just right. you know, <laughs> it's like he crashes his car. It's a thing that happened to a character in a movie. It doesn't have to have resonance and meaning. And it makes him. It it does it does, it does set up at least the fact that go, dude, you got a you, you were drunk. You crashed your car. You don't know what the hell you saw. You know, as opposed to I was. I was cleaning my shotgun and uh, you know and, and doing chess online, and I, my daughter got kidnapped. What are you spraying me with? Booze. So no one will believe your story. Yes. <laughs> it, it, for me, it's got. I mean, we talked about the Spielberg. You guys talked about the Spielberg thing before, but but, but to me, the movie that this movie has most in common with is, is Close Encounters, in the sense 
that if you go back and structurally look at that movie and unpack it, Roy's story in that movie has very little do little to do with the big scale events yes, that occur. Yes, that's true. That's true. You know, it's, it's all it's just these characters who bump up against a big thing don't have any make yeah. any major impact on there's it. There's an ev- there's a massive event occurring and it's how several different characters are affected by that event and and this has got a lot in common with that. This is the story of a group of kids in a time in a place uh and you know some other characters too and a thing happens around them and this is, you know, how their day goes kind of and and uh, you know i like that i like the fact that it's not as you know i don't know how to say this without sounding too snotty but it's not quite so cookie cutter as my protagonist is always active and always driving the plot forward it's just a different kind of movie and i think that was a a, you know a little bit of a brave choice and i think it's one that i liked it's 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 something we've talked about many times is is, uh, we've talked about other movies and it's interesting how some movies can kind of get away with it and some you feel you know, like, uh, I guess 2012 was one of those things. It's like 2012 is just about some characters who are running through a disaster that's happening. They they can't stop the disaster. They can't avoid the disaster. They're just sort of like, will they live through this disaster? But then a lot of successful movies, that's all the plot is, too. 2012, it feels kind of like, oh, my God, this is just a bunch of stupid things happening one right after another. But... Any quote-unquote disaster movie, that's what it is. It's not like someone at the end goes, I know how to turn the Poseidon back right up again, or, yeah. or anything like that. Some things are just about people surviving a, a, a thing, you know, an event that happens. And, and for a movie that fits the, the monster movie, alien invasion sort of genre more than anything else, there's precious little jeopardy in this movie. There's precious yeah. little tension. You know, the, the, there are a couple of scenes. There's the, the Jurassic Park-inspired scene in the bus. There are some scenes where the kids are in, in danger or where other characters are in danger. But for the most part, this is just a thing that's going on. And we get to see how these kids' lives are tweaked by it. Right. <laughs> yes, these these kids are dealing with, with big issues and, and uh, that, that alien on the loose marginally impacts their lives. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dad's kind of pissed because of the alien and... Well, my you know, Elm was closed, so yeah, exactly. I, I had to take a detour. So, and my movie is totally ruined by the fact that this alien is. is We're a... not going to finish our movie this summer because of the alien. <laughs> yeah. Everything happens to me. Well, I don't. I don't know about you guys, but right now, if a hurricane hit LA, I would be thinking about how it's going to impact the schedule of the movie I'm trying to make. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. You know. Just like, oh god, this it's, is all I need. Which, no, I mean, it's it's a great. It's, a, it's a, actually a great view of how kids think about the world it's, and how kids approach things. It's, like <laughs> it's how a lot of people think about the other <laughs> How filmmakers kid. think about the world. Yeah. I, I, another thing I'm, I might have liked them to see, though, uh, like to see, um, is, you know, when they realize there's an alien on the loose, stuff like that. For exactly that reason, they're like, there's an alien in the town. Oh, production dude, value. You want to talk production value, get the camera. Yeah, that's, that's production value. So how do we use this? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, now these kids are just being stupid and putting themselves in harm's way, but we still like them. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, I would have liked that if that were part of Act 2. I don't think you could sustain the whole movie on it, but right. if that's their first reaction, and then they go and they get themselves in some stupid-ass right. danger, and then they have to well, run that... away or get rescued or whatever. Yeah. That's I mean, what there are plenty of movies that we can we can look at, and, and you guys have famously done so on many occasions. There are a lot of movies we yes, can look famously. at and say, <laughs> famously, there are a lot of movies we can look at and say, you know, this movie isn't any good, and if only, if only blank, if only they'd done this, if only they'd done that, we can, if only this movie, until the cows come home. We really can. It's it's ripe for for that kind of analysis. But at the same time, I can't help wondering, would I have liked it more? We can yeah. we can maybe make the case, okay, it might have by an objective standard been a better movie if some different choices were made. By the way. Why are they doing this? 
Why are they bringing the cubes? The the whole point of, of what they've been doing with this alien for the past, like, 60 years was to keep it separated from the cubes so it couldn't escape. And now they're like, the alien's loose in the town. We better bring those cubes in to box it in or whatever. Well, they've just I, been collecting them. I yeah. don't know if they're, they're... I was under the impression they were trying to get them out of the town, but yeah. I could be stupid. I feel so. like they're bringing them in because they're going the opposite direction of the people that they're taking out of the town. No, fair point. Well, no, yeah, the, the the cubes are definitely going in the opposite direction of the people, and the people are going to the Air Force Base. So, well, the cubes are all there, sitting on Main Street when the when yeah. the monster decides it's time to leave. So, I I think it was a, a, a probably a tactical error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe they'll say it, but uh, the the idea of they're trying to keep the cubes from the creature because they were letting him play with the cubes before. So they they make a thing of trying to keep him separated from them, from them. I think. Well, at the uh, same maybe time, I, they, maybe I read that into it. They had the critter and they had the cubes on the same train. Yeah. You know, if it were that important, they yeah. would have shipped them separately. That's another thing. I, I'm pretty sure in the in the little film, as they're watching the film of of the creature grabbing the science teacher and they're listening to him talk. They're they're talking about how they won't let it use. You might be right to, be to right. bring it all together, and uh, but that's yeah. and that's another objection. It's like why were they even on the same train? Yeah, yeah. what you are they doing? Travel them separately, perhaps. Yeah. Where were they even going with it? You know, why were they? This whole idea of it's coming from Area Fifty One and going where? Yeah. you know, <laughs> where, where where are you moving it to? What's a better place than? Now, now see, 52. once again, Area 52, yeah. once again, I feel a little stupid because they looked at the map at some point earlier in the movie. I would have sworn that train was going to Nevada. And then maybe it was. Maybe it's, it's, from, it's, it's one of those things that they always say, it's coming from Area 51, but the movie never says anything like yeah, that. Yeah, the movie doesn't think. say that. So it's, that's, just, it's being yeah. transported. It could easily be going to Area 51. Which was newly renovated in 1979. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They've just done everything in avocado green. Ooh, that is some seventies hair. Yes, she but, reminds me so much of the uh, other, the daughter from that seventies show. It was just largely because of the hair. It's like that's just <clears throat> that is what women look like in or that uh, was in fact how they look like in nineteen seventy nine. But but going back to <laughs> I what I swear I went to high school with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God I went to high school with him. Going back to what you were saying, would this have made? Would it have made it for a movie to to kind of you know tweak these things and tie things together better for a movie that you enjoyed more? Uh, maybe not, but for a, for a movie that could kind of stand the test of time, as opposed to just resonating with a the our specific you know a yeah. uh, couple of generations that recognize what this movie is being. Yeah. Um. I I think it could have made that difference. I mean, you know, we'll see. Forty years from now, maybe Super Eight is going to be the movie that you know a whole generation of filmmakers <laughs> yeah. is like. That's what made me want to make movies. <laughs> yeah. And 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 it. fuck me. Probably but, not. Probably um, not. It, I no, think that's that's a very valid comment. But the, one of the thing, one of the places where I got enjoyment out of this movie is the fact that it wasn't at all what I expected. Yeah. And sure. every time I thought it was going to go left, it went right. And we can say those are mistakes, but at the same time, it added something for me personally. So and I, I, I agree with that. I, I it did you know it kept me it kept me entertained and it, it did make you know I did go oh, okay I see where this is whoops nope yeah. <laughs> nope sure enough you went a whole other way with it um, and it's you know it is it is it's it's kind of weird how we you know it's it it strikes people differently on different days and each of us individually from one minute to the next but you go well you know it's like here's a whole thing that wasn't set up and then you know two weeks from now we were talking about god this movie is so by the numbers and formulaic you know it's <laughs> it's you know it's like oh you just totally know that when this happens that means this is going to happen later um and so yeah it is is it's so weird that we're even to the point where we're conditioned now you know and again that's that's 
again, kind of Blake Snyder's fault in a sense as well, is like, well, why even have that scene if it doesn't pay off later? And it's like, well, because it's about a character and he's in a car accident. Can a guy just have a car accident for fuck's <laughs> sake? I mean, it does, does it have to have meaning that he had a car accident? Or can it just be a thing that happened to a person in a movie? So, um, you know, it's it's weird to kind of hold both those ideas in your head and try and evaluate, like, is this movie just a bunch of random stuff that is happening? Or is this like, an interesting, you know, trying to be much much more realistic and, and, you know, things in life do sometimes just happen and aren't necessarily meaningful. And well, it's, 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 I mean, it doesn't have to be, be, you know, thematically meaningful, but it should have consequences. It should, it yeah. should come up later, probably. It, or it, it, should, or it should slightly alter the course of events. Well, it, otherwise... it does because it's, it's why no one believes that his daughter's missing because right. he's just the drunk guy who crashes car. Right, and I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't actually object to that scene being in there but I, it's I, true I, it, it's true those are two it's a very cognitive dissonance kind of a thing where it's like fuck us for ass- being assholes because we'll never be happy mm-hmm. we'll never be pleasable but I think it the, the, the I like measure, lots of movies <laughs> <laughs> I, think I measure, like movies yeah. I think the measure to go back to is the surprising but in, inevitable uh, yes, phrasing yes, it's like yeah. okay the movie can go left when you think it'll go right and it can go right when you think it'll go left if at the end and be surprising on that uh, journey if at the end you go man that that was inevitable that entire time, and fuck me for not seeing it. Yeah. And I don't think this movie lives yeah. up to that. As opposed, would... to, as opposed to when you're doing a setup being like, uh, yeah. you know, like Vanna White coming yeah. out and We're going, gonna remember go right here this. Next and, I will, and I will say, for example, the movie that you're saying this movie is, is emulating in large part, uh, you know, is Close Encounters. When you see, you know, when you see Roy Neary come walking out in the spacesuit, you go, of course. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. That's, that's where this was going the whole time. Um, and this movie does not have an equivalent moment to that. Yeah. That's that's an issue of that, um, and that's true. And I I think it's I I think Jeff uh, pretty well set it up that uh, it's 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 a it's a movie that's well made and it's well acted and it's well written and it's enjoyable and you know it holds your attention. And then it's just not very memorable because it doesn't you know really have a you know something that sticks together. But I mean, God forbid, a movie that's only well written and well acted <laughs> and holds your attention and is worth watching. I mean, we're going to talk about Battleship after this. My yeah. God, I mean, uh, come on. I would they they could make they could make fifty of these if they never made another Battleship, and I would call it a golden era for cinema. Yeah. Well, is it is it fair to say that I agree? Is it fair to say that this movie suffers for being almost great? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because yeah. like I said, whenever I it's it's difficult for me to watch it. I do enjoy it. I enjoy the interaction the kids have and stuff like that. But I can't. I it's like the uncanny valley of of greatness, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, because like, it's yeah. so close to the edge. It's like I'm just distracted by how close it is, as opposed to being able to kind of enjoy it on its own terms. Yeah, the first time I was able to enjoy it on its own terms because I didn't know that it wasn't going to connect everything up until the credits rolled and I'm like, oh, I guess we're just leaving it at that then. I guess but, the movie's over now. Yeah, but um, but on subsequent viewings, knowing that it doesn't quite come together, it's kind of like, damn it, you know. Yeah, that that's the thing. Is It's such a... These movies like this are heartbreakers. You know, a movie like Battleship is like, well, just fuck that thing. Well, of course. From start yeah. to finish. <laughs> what a but shock. This, it's a piece of shit. Yeah. But this one, it's like, no, you're so close to the finish line there. If Just it's, so it, close. It's you're almost so close, like being you break my heart. three and a half stars is worse than being two. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little weird. Starship Troopers moment. Going to go all the way to five. Yoink. He's eating a cow. And I mean that's just a gag, but it's it's sort of symbolic of the thing I was talking about. You know, he's he's dangling the chunk of meat in front of the bars, and you know he's just going to get grabbed, but he does. But the claw comes from the next story. <laughs> yeah, it comes from above. Like, and it's, oh, it's oh. big. 
That just told me something. He's I was larger than I thought he was. <laughs> now here's a boy. Here's a here's a trope. Talk about it where a movie does exactly what you think all the other movies do. Here's a trope, and it's in freaking Battleship too. Yep, it's, it's, I thought the same thing. It's, yeah. it's it's a trope that I'm so sick of, and it's it's just where a screenwriter just goes, "Oh God, I've got this exposition, and I just don't know how to get it out." Yeah. So it's like, my God, if you touch an alien, you get a psychic bond. Apparently, that's a universal rule. Yep. If you touch an alien, you will psychically bond with it, and you'll be able to give its backstory because it can't. I think yeah. the WGA needs to institute to some sort of a fine I system. Should. I think we do. You lose you lose a tenth of your point in the uh, yeah, profit exactly. market. But um I you know, uh, another thing that it's like that comes up but then it doesn't And that, the, that's something that that I Don't feel even like get started often. on battleship. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean I mean in Save in, it, man. in this it. one it, it it brings up the fact that it's like there's an ability to kind of pass a sense of empathy both ways and so the the guys like, "Oh, I get the the alien is just scared and, and blah, blah blah um and as soon as that happened this 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 was a moment where i knew there was going to be a, where where the setup and payoff became obvious as, as of that scene i was like he's going to pick up the kid and he's going to be like oh humans are not all for eating and just be <laughs> chill about it i didn't realize it was going to come so late in the movie that it didn't matter but i didn't yeah. know that 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 moment was going to come one thing that that um I, I haven't been able to put a, a, a whole kind of idea around. Okay, and this is going to sound really funny, but uh, so just hear me out. So get ready to laugh. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, there's this episode of Fraggle Rock. <laughs> okay, hold on. Well, talk about not Go knowing on. where this is going. Okay, <laughs> you went, I was thinking left and you went right. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. There's this episode of Fraggle Rock where they meet a creature called Skinfred, who um, basically whatever you think he is, that's what he becomes. Was this an actual episode of Fraggle yeah, Rock, or is yeah. this like a spec script? No, no, wrote? this is a real thing. It's a real <laughs> did, thing, and it's what I remember. This episode? I know. I just don't remember this one. So. And uh, and you know they think he's neat, and so they they they're like, "You have pigtails. We believe you have pigtails." And he grows pigtails, and he thinks they're neat, and you know they dance and sing as they do. And uh, <laughs> that part I get. But then at, at one point he gets locked in the basement of the Gorg's castle, and the Gorgs are like, "There's a monster down there." They're like scaring each other because they hear splashing in the basement, which is flooded, and there's, there's a monster down there, and it's got three heads. And Blah, 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 and like they just work themselves up into this thing, and and sure enough, Skinfred turns into this giant monster in their basement, and the and the Gorgs and the Fraggles get locked in there. So it's like the Fraggles have to convince the Gorgs that that is not a monster, despite the fact that they're looking right at a monster. And I and I thought there was something similar that could be done there with you know the the idea that this the creature kind of absorbs whatever whatever emotions it's feeling. So if people are terrified of it and, and believe that it's this monster, that's it just reacts and it acts that way. And they're like, no, we've all got to just chill the fuck out because it, it'll be cool if we're cool to, as well. So. It's, uh, it's, kind of, it's, it's basically existentialism personified. Yes. It's like whatever, you, whatever meaning you put onto this, this situation, this monster, is what that meaning yeah. will be. So if you, if you think of it as a monster that will eat you, it will be a monster yeah. that will eat you. Yeah, so it, and see that that would be great too because that would be a great examination of the different different tropes in science fiction. It's like okay, you you have the kind of the genre savvy military over here that's going to assume oh it's it's an alien, so it's a monster, so we have to right. be, play the government role and, and kill it. And so then you have the uh, you know you have the little kid who's basically doing the ET role, They're like <laughs> toys. It's a it's yeah. a toy. It's no, it's here because it's you know it it's wants my to be pet. friendly. It's my buddy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it can have that existentialist quality where it's both, depending yeah. you know depending on the situation it's in. That would that would be great. Let's do that movie. <laughs>
I'm not doing anything later. You busy? And and also and and JJ, I think is in in a lot of behind the scenes stuff. He's very good at acknowledging where where there are where he's like it, it, it's a very tough line to walk between you know x and y and and there are things that i think we would often say it's like well at least you knew that was a tough line i don't think you it was managed but but you knew that i don't was think going you you, you walked the tightrope right but you right but at least you rope. knew you were you, you that, that was something you were on uh and one of them being the fact that this is a monster who murders and eats people and then we're supposed to feel sorry for it and and it, it want it it's you know, it's the T Rex and the Raptors and and Jaws all in one, and then in the last two minutes, it becomes E T, and we're yeah. supposed to feel heartwarmed by it. That's and that's like, absolutely true. But but the other side of that line is also something the movie struggles with because the resolution, which you know, obviously we're going to get to in a little while, but the resolution of the movie is that he picks up the kid. The kid is letting go of the tragedy of his mom's death right. and forgiving, and the monster learns to forgive through sure. telepathy and magic. Yeah. <laughs> and, and suddenly like we're do. we as the audience are just supposed to go along with the fact that yes, okay, technically we kind of kept you in a cage for twenty five years, but <laughs> bad things happen, mistakes were made, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and sometimes we just have to. We feel bad about on. it, and you killed that one guy who was mean. And the black guy, he was sorry. Yeah, I, I mean feel, that's, I, that's I, also I, an issue. Is the, the the whole thematic? If there is any kind of theme to this movie, it is that which is you know sometimes bad things happen and you have to let go. It's like. Okay, I find in, it hard to believe situation? that there was no other decent person that this alien interacted with yeah. and almost ate the head of. Yeah, well, you know? you, I mean, he's <laughs> we sh- we we know for a fact that he's grabbed other people and brought them back to yeah. his lair. He's grabbed the sheriff, who seemed like a pretty decent guy. Yeah, he grabbed he gra- the, he grabbed the little store girl, guy. Who's, you know, the convenience store guy seems harmless. So. Yeah, it's a, it, if he didn't like get charmed by Elle Fanning, you know, for yeah. him, oh, she's adorable. I like this one. <laughs> I'm gonna eat her last. <laughs> I'm going to take her with Which, me on the trip because, you know, I'm going to get hungry on the way. It's a long trip. It's a long trip. I'm going to need some break I, open a uh, snack. I prefer to think he's the kind of monster that would pick you up and say, oh, I like you. You're nice. I'll eat you first. Hmm. <laughs> I really shouldn't. I should save you for later. See, I, I guess we can save it until we get there. But why was he capturing people in the first place? Yeah. Was it to or, eat them later? Yeah. To that's eat them like, later. Yeah. That's, that's where the movie gets least good is yeah. that sequence. I mean, the, the sequence has a lot of great stuff in it. Um, but yeah, the whole sort of like, what's happening here? It seems like a, just sort of a justification. I mean, it's it's all just a big justification so they can go rescue Elle Fanning from a problem. Yes. And it's not the best example of a problem. But I, this I, is a great sequence. I, it's it's a beautiful sequence. I'm, I, I'm, I'm really impressed by the myriad number of ways that they can have the creature be on screen, and yet still you don't know what the hell the thing is. It's, uh, it's a really fun, fine line that they're walking here. It's like, what is that goddamn thing? Yeah, that's become kind of a, an increasing trend in recent years. I, 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 the first example I can think of where that was really a big deal was Cloverfield, yeah. which of course is connected to this movie. Oh, yeah, several a little ways. bit. Yeah. Um, uh, same, same production team and same designer, Neville Page, designed the yeah. uh, the creatures. In Cloverfield, it, the it whole conceit of the movie made sense though, because yeah. it, you know it's like no one was trying to get a good shot of the creature, in the, in the, until you know it happened to happen to get revealed. So that was the first good shot we had of it, really. Yeah, it, it um, bugs me though because these are these are elaborately designed creatures and they're different by design from any thing we know about so uh, i want to reveal and i just i, I want to know what it looks like at some point in the movie i want a really good like full body head to toe of that of that critter you get away with it in jaws because everybody knows yeah. what a shark looks like Pretty sure it's just you don't have shark. to wonder what that is but but in a movie like cloverfield or like this one you know it's not that i want to geek out over the character design or whatever i just want to see it at some point in the movie yeah 
and while here we get close-ups at the end, and, and I think we can agree that the, the, the visual effects work in the close-ups is as solid as anything, I still don't ever feel like I got an idea what this thing actually looks like. Yeah, it, it, there's you know a featurette in the behind-the-scenes where they go through the, the design of the creature and you actually see it, and I'm like, I didn't know that was there. You know, they're talking about yeah. elements of the of the creature, and I'm like, I had no idea that that was. You yeah, know, I, I don't even know how design. many limbs it has. Is it is it, is it yeah. like a biped? I mean, how does it's, it work? Here, it's like here's a the, hexapod. No, here's the, yeah, here's the thing about that is uh, as part of the uh, the and they really liked when they came up with this because of the deliberate confusion that it created. They've got it's got it's got six limbs, right? But the upper two are basically kind of connected. They share a shoulder joint, so they can kind of flatten together and he can use them as, as one or they can split up and he kind of becomes like a spidery thing. Oh, interesting. Cool. So like the skitters from Falling Skies. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I saw that. I, uh, <laughs> I, I just watched Falling Skies. And, uh, yeah, talk I, about a thing that starts out really interesting and falls the hell apart. Yeah. Or like, uh, I, like fucking, what's his name? In episode three, General Grievous, you know? Yeah. He's oh, got yeah, two yeah. arms and then he's got four Two arms, arms. surprise! Yeah. More than two arms. That's so. probably, and that was apparently an ADR um, line. But what, drugs are drugs so bad? Drugs are so bad. They <laughs> yeah. added that Do later. Think? And that yeah. was like the, one of the best lines. Yeah. This this is where the movie, I mean, this one of the things that I, I have to say I really ad- admire when a movie does it is, um, there's another recent example I, that I can't think of right now, but, uh, you know, there's a movie, there's a movie that, you I see love the, his line reading, by the way. I was like, it's a mess out here, sir. Yeah, you see a trailer and you go, okay, it's a big, you know, flashy, expensive, you know, visual effects movie and stuff's going to blow up. Um, this movie didn't look like it was going to be a big, big epic movie. It was going to be a smaller scale story about a boy and his alien and all that kind of stuff. And then when the movie like opened up and the whole town starts, to, this is happening. I'm like, okay, movie, you surprised me with this one. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Although I love, I love the bit where he's like, the weapons, they're firing on their own, and it's like, but that's not how tanks work. Like they don't have a, a chamber. Right. That they just so yeah. there's someone, there's yeah. someone in there, just like, my God, just they just keep loading the. Why do I keep putting shells in this? <laughs> <laughs> I really knock should, it off. I really should stop loading the cannon. It apparently fires on its own every time I load it. Won't stop. And people, you know, people standing in the back of the jeep, uh, you know, pointing it at things. It's like, stop it. I should stop reloading this and pulling the trigger. Yeah. It makes it fire. They're doing it by themselves <laughs> with it's my an, finger. It's an automatic weapon, Sergeant. That's yeah, that's yeah. how it works. And that too is uh, that's. <laughs> It kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, of uh, the Patton Oswalt routine about Jesus. It's like, well, I don't understand because he's got the necromancer powers, but then where's the thing where he can feed everybody? It's like, <laughs> how is that? What's what is his powers exactly? Like the creature is like everywhere he goes, electricity goes on and off, and now weapons are firing by themselves. It's like uh, because and, because well, tanks and, are electrical. And what <laughs> and why and why does that and happen guns. and. Couldn't he have used that to his advantage earlier? If he can make weapons fire, what's going on exactly? Because it's technology. Exactly. He controls technology. So this is again, it's it's epic. You know, this, as far as the kids and the and the story, it's great. I love and and I again, there were many surprises where I thought, you know, when the fat kid, you know, the the the, the little kid and the little kids, the blonde kid is going to turn out to be the sidekick for the finale, which I didn't see coming. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I thought he was. He's like, he's got expendable sidekick written all over him and he turns out to be the the key to the whole thing whereas the fat kid is 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 the one who's out of the movie now and you know and, and so so again there's a really fun character story and this idea of these kids in my town is being blown up that's all great but the justification of it and the and the prime reason for it is still kind of like all sort of from another movie yeah. that doesn't quite mesh with this one 
Well, it wouldn't be that hard. I'm not saying it'd be the just search and replace, but it wouldn't be that hard to replace the alien with a you know tornado or yeah. tsunami sure. or any sure. sort of natural disaster or, in this movie. Or Russians. Or, I know yeah. what it's, or I know what it's like want. to be windy and swirling. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> just, bad weather happens. Sometimes <laughs> bad weather happens. You've never seen an alien come from this house. <laughs> miss this house. Miss and, that house. And dig a hole in your garage and carry your girlfriend into it. But I have. That's a Force 5 alien. <laughs> <laughs> the finger of God. This, this is actually every, every kid's dream. It's like, someday my obsession with firecrackers is going to pay off. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to save the world. I'm going to save the world. <laughs> with my with stash my... of illegal M80s. That's right. Chekhov's Roman candle. Which... <laughs> just, been, just been waiting for that moment. And really here, I mean, this scene, is, it's, the, it's the emotional heart of the movie. It's a yeah. little thing. It's one line of dialogue. Well, it's a speech, and then the character who has the biggest arc in the movie has one line, of, well, except the alien, has one <laughs> line of dialogue, and it just comes and goes. And that's not what I expected when I sat down to watch this movie. This, mm-hmm. this, is, this is, you know, I, I thought, okay, one of two things. This is, you know, this is J.J. Abrams, so there's going to be some melodrama. You're signing up for that. That's a given in the, in the clause when you sign the contract to watch the movie. But it's so restrained, and it's so downplayed, and I kind of respect that. Mm-hmm. I don't. But at the same time, fair enough. (laughs) At the the same time, at the same time, it's almost to the point where it's like, well, you you might have just just lifted that out then because it feels like it's almost distracting. It's like, oh, I guess we better tie up the bit where I killed your wife or whatever, or I, you know, I was there late and she died. No, it's cool. You know what though? I I I, it could have we could say it could be better, but boy, it could have been so much worse. Oh sure, yeah. And and here's here's the way it could have been worse. It's like. <laughs> they 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 run. They get to town, and tanks are going this way and that. Like, All right, I'm going to get the kids, and you do the thing. He's like, Jack, before you go, yeah. I got to tell you one thing. It's all right. It was an accident. Boom! Explosion in the background. That that would be the bad way to do it. That would be the extremely bad way to do it. So and, yeah, oh, so, so now many we're wandering do. around. Uh, so uh, yeah, so they throw a line down somewhere about the uh, alien being subterranean. Which translates into can dig all of these massive can, caverns, can in find a caves time. under your garage or whatever. Yeah, there's actually without any kind of uh, you know underlying structural damage to the yeah. to the houses above them, yeah. or you know where'd the dirt go? Yeah, <laughs> there's that too. He it's was, like the great escape. He, uh, he, he he put it in his pants pockets. <laughs> he put it in his pants pockets, and then he walked around and town, he walked the fence, carefully line. distributing it. <laughs> Come on, that's that's everyone knows that. There there was a uh, apparently because. Um, in the behind the scenes, they show a, a couple of. It's probably in the deleted scenes, but I didn't bother to watch those. Um, where the the blonde kid does. There was a hang a lantern moment on it that they didn't uh, end up using. They didn't end up using, but he was like, "How the hell could that th- could anything dig in like two days? Dig something this big and and just outright says it." And and Joe goes, "It's from another planet, and you're worried about the hole it dug." <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. It it doesn't satisfactorily hang a lantern, so maybe it cut it down. Now yeah. here again, this is where the whole motivation question is like, okay, it makes for a great scene where it's got these people suspended. And you're like, oh my gosh, what's it doing? But then it's like they're they're unconscious, but they wake up at the drop of a hat. I mean, L mm-hmm. L wakes up in you know she's got that movie unconsciousness where it's like I'm unconscious until I'm required to wake up, at which point I'll be totally awake and lucid mm-hmm. um, instantly. With and no lasting effects. With no lasting effects, regardless of whatever it was that made me unconscious to begin with. Um, Skull's fine, thanks. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. No, no problem. 
Um, and it's just again, it's it's it it leads to a good joke when the woman and Carlos go, "What's the hell's going on here?" It's a great bit, but um, but yeah, it's all kind of like, well, but what? It makes for a good scene, but, but what why? is this alien doing exactly? And and another trope that I have to say, I'm a little bit like, mm, you know, talking about your ET homage is like, ET's a ET, what a pussy! He made a radio. This guy's making his own spaceship. Yeah, I was gonna make a fucking spaceship. And build a spaceship out of. That's why I had to steal all those washing machines to build my spaceship out of. Washing machines and engines to <laughs> charger. You know, exactly, dodge but but he doesn't need all that because he's got his cubes, or he, or something like that. Which I guess, I'm, maybe I'm not clear on what that was all about. Yeah, the, the impression I got was that he was building the the remote control that makes the cubes to make go. the cubes work. Okay, that's yeah, fair. but okay, I, that's I don't, I don't, sure. I don't. Know. But still, it's like uh, try to just come up with an analog to that in life that would. That I can grasp. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's like... I mean, in the perfect scenario, in the best possible case, the, the alien is underground and needs to do something, and, you know, we kind of want to stop it, but we turn out in the end it was harmless. That's really the that's, beat we need to hit. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of get the feeling that in a lot of cases, you know... Did J.J. have the sole writing credit on this, or did I he write I believe he with had this is sole writing. Okay, well, then I'm going to give it to him, but I think in a lot of cases, that's where J.J. F- stopped writing. You know, it's... Yeah. Here are the beats I want to hit. I've got a really, really good treatment, and I'm just going to draft the script, and I'm done. It's an alien, you know. No, it does what it's doing. Yeah. It does alien stuff. And, and so it's a very connect the dots kind of movie. I, I I can totally see the critique that some of the dots aren't as well connected. And, as and uh, you know, let's be fair. We don't necessarily know the, uh, the circumstances. I mean, this was definitely a passion project for J.J. like we talked about. It may, you know, we can. <laughs> there yeah, you go. She comes out just, of it real yeah, Just slap. Oh, hey, what the, with the slapping. It's, it's easy. It's easy to sit around and go, well, if he'd taken another pass of the script. But for all we know, you know, he talked to Spielberg and, you know, they, he got on the horn with Paramount and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, all right, we got exactly three weeks on the schedule where we can yeah. where we can fit this in in, you know, or you, you've got a, a six week, you know, opening where we can fit in production on this in two months. Yeah. That's how long you've got to write write a script that we can move on. Yeah, and so you know, for, you for all know. we know, that yeah. might might have been it. Yeah, but I, I or maybe he's fine with it. <laughs> we're just, <laughs> we're just nitpicky that. douchebags. Yeah. But I think, <laughs> but I, which I think that's a given. But I think it's I think it's fair. It, it's something that comes up again and again. Boy, again, you know, later it'll be a different episode. We're going to talk about Battleship, and you want to talk about aliens? Where you go? What the fuck are those aliens doing? Yes, <laughs> that makes yes. no sense. What they're doing. Um, and it's not something. I'm sorry, but it's not something that I'm okay with. It's an alien you can't understand. It's like I just stop if, showing us our, their point of view. Exactly. If you don't want us it's to like, try and it's figure like, out, the- I can't understand how it has a civilization or how it builds a spaceship if it's this dumb and unfocused in how it does things. <laughs> right. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with an a- it's just an alien. If it's just an alien, that's going to do its thing, and we can't understand it. But. Don't don't try. That's my problem with the yeah, world. Yeah. It, and, and don't try to explain. I would like to see someone do an alien where you literally can't understand it, where you just don't know what the hell it's doing. You know, and the way it reacts to things and the way it tries to communicate, you can It doesn't have eyes that you go, oh look, he's got pretty you know eyes that you can kind of see his emotions. None of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I just don't get what the hell this thing is or why it does anything or what it wants for me. And but just leave at, it at that. At that point, uh, you know, an alien mm-hmm. ceases to be a character and then becomes a, a force of nature. And yeah. it's like you just – I mean that's – And then it might as well have been a tornado. Right. And, yeah, that, well, and, that's, and, and that's the thing is like you can, once it becomes a force of nature instead of a character, there's only so many things it can do. Really the only thing story-wise it can do is kill you until you kill it, Yeah, which is – I'm not, well, I'm not talking about it be, having it be a monster. I'm talking about how literally you just, you're trying to communicate and you simply can't. Not right. that it's a danger, not that it's killing you, but just like – we are so different in the way our brains function 
that I literally can't communicate with you. I can. The only thing we can do is recognize each other as some kind of sentient something or other. Yeah, and just but there's literally no common ground that we can find. Well, there, there's a That's lot of actually, grist for that mill. There's a lot. There's a lot of yeah. interesting stories to be told about. You know, you see a, a thing, you know, a, a rhinoceros or something, and you have some reason to think it's an intelligent being. Yeah. Suddenly, people are arguing with you about it because you're not sure that it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can't talk to it. You can't understand its motivations. This does look a little like Bruce Greenwood now that I Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did it for for uh you know listeners who don't know, he actually Bruce Greenwood came in and did like performance capture for this this uh, alien and did one of the <laughs> He actually has six legs. Most people don't know yeah. that. <laughs> he did he did just, you know, uh an amazing performance. He I mean, he wore the whole suit and he had the little ping pong cap and all that. And uh you know, you can see it in the behind the scenes like his his eyes are welling up and he's all emotional. It's like, wow, he really he really gave it up for this uh, for this alien here, and these are apparently um, the texture is the same as his mom's eyes because it's oh. supposed to be like a callback to Tricky. you know when his line about when she looked at me I felt like I was really there like she was really seeing me like that kind of thing. Um, Your so, mother was the foreman of a steel mill for twelve yeah. minutes. <laughs> so uh, I dare you to do better. <laughs> see what you did there. Thanks. That's where you're going. Very nice. But uh, but yeah, and again, almost if these kids had not been there at all, if she had not been kidnapped and the kids weren't there, like that, his egg timer was about to go off either way. Yeah, and and <laughs> let him know that it was you know time to take off. Ding. And that's again, it's something that we're so conditioned that you know the hero must be proactive, and you know, and and yeah, you know, it's again, it's it's an acceptable story. It just nowadays we we may not be able to accept it very much, but right. it's like. But the idea of, yes, this is about people who are near a major event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like if you told a story about townspeople in World War II, it's like, well, they didn't even kill Hitler. What was the yeah. point of telling me that story? <laughs> I guess that's true. You know, it's just, it's weird that we just, you know, it's, then I guess, you we're know what? so used to that happening. You know what, then? I, I, I think it's like, it's, it's just a thing where it's missing something. Either it needed to uh, do that, yeah. or if it's just going to be about, you know, these, these characters experiencing this force of nature, then I, I, I think then we can't get away with the, well, there are, but there are plenty of movies where the main characters don't have an arc. You know, yeah. it's like either they have to accomplish something or they have to go through something. Right. You know, it, yeah. and, and because this one, it, and they try and have it where Joe went through something, but you, you, but doesn't it doesn't, really. sh- it doesn't yeah. show its yeah. work yeah. as to how it got from point How about this? And then I'm just, I'm just spitballing on this, but the, the, the missing ingredient is the kids when they do finally interact with the creature, they, as we've been saying, it's like, yes, there's an emotional thing where the, the creature goes, oh, okay, I'm not going to kill you because I sense that you're not a threat and everything else. But as we've said, and you've pointed out many times, none of that affects the ending. It's like, if, if, if anything the movie is missing is that the kids needed to do something that let the thing finally go. Yeah. You know, they had this like, if and, he, and, if it, if and it that, even it was just bringing the, that one exactly. remaining cube And back. that brings together the just let it go theme yeah. together. Yeah. It's like the answer to the monster problem, just let it go. The answer to your mom and, you know, the problem you're having with your dad, you got to let your mom go as well. And they, you know, thematically and visually, it's there where the locket goes away with the spaceship. Yeah. It's like, oh, I see what you tried to do there. Yeah. It doesn't, just doesn't quite, it do, it's, the it's, just let it go the theme, didn't quite land. The theme is not reflected in the plot. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think that's yeah. the, you know, it might have, there was a case where it might have, it could have stood maybe a little more spelling out. It's like, 
you know, where the kid comes back and they're like, you know, we're killing the monster and it's killing us. And, you know, and, the, and the kid just goes, just fucking let it go. Yeah. That's what I've learned from the past <laughs> two hours is you got to let it go. Yeah. Stop you know, shooting I've at it. Stop getting today. in its way. Yeah. Just let it go and we'll all be fine. Yeah. And that's the, there probably could have been. And, then, you know, that was, as we said, that was the bad way to do that. Yeah. But I think the idea of, you know, it just wants to leave. Yeah. Just stop trying to contain it. Don't let it let it go. Is the missing ingredient that the kid doesn't bring back that message to to justify right. why we saw this happening, and and doesn't in fact have any effect on the fact that it's going. Is apparently it had the power to go along, go home all along, as yeah. if it uh, clicked had its the heels ruby together. Slippers, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the 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 test would be. I, I think what it, I know. I've referenced it before. I don't remember what I call it, but like the the lunch test. Like if you were on. If you were on set with Super Eight and you asked JJ during lunch, like, okay, so what, what do you, what is your point? Or if you, if you go up to JJ between setups and you go, okay, so why are you telling this story? What's the thematically? What's going on here? Like, if JJ would be able to answer that, you know, basic thematic question between setups while he's in the middle of of shooting, and I don't think he would be able to. And I think that's the issue. Is I, oh, I, th- think, I think he'd, he'd absolutely be, be good. Yeah, to. I'm I just not could. sure anybody who yeah. saw the movie would be able to. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, I think know. he could have he could have said that because because for this to be the ending he had to know that's what he was trying to say. Yeah. For th- the moment with the locket and everything, there's no way that he wasn't very cl- keenly aware that that was the the beat he was trying to hit. Yeah. And what um, is that locket made of that uh, it uh, attracts? It's attracted yeah. by a magnetic field. Well, we have the same steel silver lockets. We have the same magnetism issue in here that we have in. King yeah, it's very skull. selective. It'll yeah. lift a car, but it won't affect the other. It, thing it that's will right lift next a car, but not either of the cars next to it. <laughs> yeah, not that kid's braces, <laughs> or rip the braces right <laughs> off know, that kid's teeth. You'd think, you think that, that would be a joke that it would do. And here's Ooh. obviously, definitely a uh, close encounters. A little bit, uh, almost yeah. a little bit. They're okay. They lived. And they don't even have a camera. That's what's so sad. Oh, the irony. <laughs> and he missed it. He's stoned. Because uh, he's stoned. Because uh, drugs are funny. <laughs> <laughs> drugs are best, so bad for you. But they, but see, everyone's okay now. Yeah, everyone's okay. Everyone... And they're Spielberg and like gangbusters. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> there, yeah, we we... We didn't call out all the Spielberging going oh, on in boy. this movie. But there's when the train had time for anything else. Okay, yeah. he's miles sure. away. You can stop flickering the lights now. Yeah, his magical alien ability to flicker lights. And the last and the lens flare. And, and the, the lens flare is the, the last flare's thing flare's to go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still going. And it's still going. As Gacino swells. Yeah. Now, before we get into the credits, I got to say this. I am really annoyed that these fictional children got better lo- location sound on their Super 8 movie than I <laughs> they did on the really last did. project. <laughs> they had some good that the, they had some good post work on their on their movie. This movie does crack me up. Their movie actually cracks me up. Yeah. And I from what I read in the uh, you know, the making of I haven't seen the behind the scenes footage or anything, but they really did just kind of like halfway just mess around and make this, you know. Yeah, um, I mean it says in the, the behind ki- the, in, the, in the kids the, literally in the made this that movie. it's the kids that made the movie, yeah. Yeah. And it really is. It's quite. It's quite something. I it's. Was, it's not half bad. No, it's not. And it's. Boy, does it feel authentic. Oh boy, does it feel authentic. There we go. Oh, that leader alone just makes me go. Oh, <laughs> that leader is so fantastic. So really, I mean, how can you complain? You did get two movies for the price of one. Exactly. It is a great little compendium of 
bad filmmaking. All the, the little oh, I, and I love the joke, which I didn't even catch the first time. Of the kid is you know ten here or however old old he is, and then he's older. Uh, but you get all the you get the Romero reference, yeah. and the, yep. the Star Trek Forty Seven reference there, and you get all the all these great line crosses. <laughs> now, see, now, see if you've ever seen the 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 James Bond film that me and my friends made in nineteen seventy eight, it looks like this. <laughs> it looks just like this, except we didn't have sync sound, so there's no sync sound in ours. But um, it's, I mean, it's like, it, this is exactly, exactly what it looks like. Everyone's wearing their best, you know, I went to a wedding once, a coat, <laughs> you know, a jacket and uh, the wood paneled office, which is actually someone's, you know, your dad's rec room. And oh boy, oh boy, did they nail it. And all t- way too much headroom. And <laughs> yeah. Well, because you, 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 you weren't actually, you it's, it's it, not, yeah. it's not, they weren't reflex cameras for the most part. So sometimes they were. I mean, actually, Super 8 cameras were more reflex cameras because you had the zoom. So you could actually see what your zoom was. But uh, yeah, vis- visible lights in the frame. Oh, yeah, all that stuff. And again, art direction. The art direction is just amazing. They've just gotten this so perfect. But yeah, I, I did enjoy, even though again I'm watching it and I'm like, I don't. This got nothing to do with the last two hours I I spent here. But I'm I'm glad to see it. I'm happy. I'm glad they finished. What these the kids. movie? Yeah. Oh, okay. you know the, the the whole, the fact that they got their movie done. I think is. Yeah. <laughs> at least something came of it. Yeah. Something came out of all this. Now that's an edited version. I like the I like the extended version of that scene where you see the nails first. Mm. We actually need to wrap this up now. Uh, because we're running out of time for our our other thing, so um, <laughs> well, yeah, because it could take a long time for us to talk about how much Battleship sucked. <laughs> it, it might. I'm just saying we we have to be out Battleship of sucked. Room. We're we done. Have to be out of this living room in an hour. Um, so What's, what on earth is going to happen in this living Super room? Eight? You know how I feel about it. Well, I turn into pumpkins. I don't. I, I don't really have a uh, a, a wrap up. I'm going to give it to Jeff because. I think he came around on this movie more than I did. I love that they didn't even get to use any of the footage from anyway. the exploding train. <laughs> yeah. They just had to. It's too bad. From the real one. But anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was unprepared for that. Um, no, I, I, I like this movie. I do. I, I like watching this movie. I like how this movie makes me feel. When the movie's over and I turn off my TV, I try real hard not to think about it that much. <laughs> because it's not a movie that holds up to the light of day. But I kind of don't care. And I, I don't. I haven't listened to any interviews. I haven't watched any of the background stuff on the DVD. I don't want to put words in J.J. Abrams' mouth here, but if I had to make a guess, I bet he would say that, you know, yes, everything that you can talk about the in regard to this movie's flaws, it's all valid, but the movie's not about that. The movie's about capturing a time and a place and telling a story about people reacting to an event that changes them. And I think that it's successful to the extent that it's, humble kind of it's not an ambitious movie it's not trying to be all things to all people it's trying to be exactly the story jj wanted to tell and i think it succeeds in that and i like it and i say that knowing that everything that you guys said that was critical i can't argue with on any level (laughs) you know what uh, that description reminds me of quite a bit what's that other people's opinions of the new star trek movie (laughs) and i think there is a big comparison to be made that's like in within it while you're in it and while you're not really thinking too hard about what's happening it it carries a great sense of momentum and and sense of fun and entertainment and you're on board with the movie and it's not until afterwards we start thinking oh, you know that none of that actually went together in any way <laughs> shape or form uh and for some reason you know it's like th- the way we talk about Tarantino is like that was way over the top and when every anybody else is over the top that way we hate it but when Tarantino does it he gets away with it somehow i think there's something about Abrams where it's like that 
that makes no sense. And I think it makes it makes no sense on a level that things like 2012 and Battleship don't make sense. But somehow Abrams gets away with it. With with both him and Tarantino, I think it's the earnestness. It's that they're, they're not it. trying to do. You know, other people are 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 trying to like do a thing, and they're just like, this is just. This is just what I wanted to do, and I thought it'd be fun. You <laughs> yeah. know, yeah. It's like other movies don't make sense because clearly they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Yeah, Tarantino and Abrams, this is what they wanted to do. Yeah. They, meant, they did this on purpose. Yeah. Well, nobody's going to compare J.J. Abrams or Tarantino or anybody to you know Picasso, but Picasso doesn't draw people like people look. It's not because he doesn't know how. It's because right. he wants to do something else. And I think when J.J. Abrams sits down and makes a movie that you know, in the light of day, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't think it's because he didn't know how to make a movie that that, that well, was rational and logical the, the, and sensible. The other distinction is, I mean, Abrams, I think the distinction to make is that Abrams is a very, very talented and skilled filmmaker. I don't think he's that talented or skilled as a storyteller. Yeah. I think that's the distinction to make. And so you can look at this and go, man, that is a, an amazingly well put together movie. The story, not so much, but the movie, the film. I think uh, that's valid. Uh, so I... And there's just something about Abrams where you go, where people in general, and I'm going to be honest, and I'm not really one of them because it bothers me how little sense <laughs> this movie makes, and we all know how I feel about the Star Trek movie, but for some reason, people in general go, yeah, that made no sense whatsoever, but I'm okay with it in this case for some reason. Um, and I, that just, I just James gets away with it. I, I I would not say it made no sense whatsoever. I mean, everything everything that we had to say about it was quibbling, and I don't. I think that half the time it's like these are these are as, as, as you said these are things that Abrams probably was well aware of and said yeah, but I'm just not. I don't care about making you know doing it that way. I want to do it the way I want to do it. Um, the the issues with this movie are trivial issues. Uh, that I I would uh, say that they're trivial. Well, but that was me talking. Actually, it wasn't your voice just there? That was me. The uh, the the issues with this movie are trivial. But again, okay, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. I disagree with that. There sentiment. we go. That's okay. that's correct. Uh, because again, guys, fucking battleship. That's yeah. a movie that makes no goddamn Absolutely. sense, and there's no human being connected with that movie except maybe the guy who made the coffee in the morning who gave a fuck what they were doing other than a blatant cash grab. This was you know it's a it's a Flawed, not perfect, not you know, not the greatest, not a perfect movie. You know, I don't think it goes in the perfect movie, but it's a well-made movie. And for God's sake, can we just go? Okay, it was a well-made movie, and you know, it was about something, and there was a you know, a good filmmaker was behind it, and it, I, it's it's sad how refreshing that is. Yeah, yeah, and how grateful we should be for that, and 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 everything we're doing is nitpicking, and you know, literally falls into the category of I think JJ thought of that and just didn't go that way. You know, it's not like he's an idiot. By the way, John he's, he's Krasinski far from was it. in the special things. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, like Judd Apatow is in it. You know, Judd Apatow watched an early cut of the film or something. And Judd Apatow often advice. will. Well, yeah, he yeah. gives notes to people. Uh, he, but he, John Krasinski, okay. Yeah, well, anyway. If you could show anything you ever made at John Krasinski, wouldn't you be like, yeah, yeah I want to talk to him about it. I just want to see what he thinks. <laughs> I, I kind of want to meet the guy. I don't care. I do want to hang out with John Krasinski. I will say. Mike, did you go? Did you summarize? Uh, no. Um, I I think that. Um, I think that the the difference being made is is one of in in a lot of ways one of kind of intent and, and you know were were these people showing up and drawing a paycheck or were they showing up because they they were making something really cool and that they were really excited about because I'm I'm 
on the I'm on the side where I don't think this movie makes a lot more sense than Battleship does. Sense wise, it's it. I, I would say it's better made. It's better written. I like there are characters in it, and, yeah. and uh, but but plot I like those. Yeah, um, but but plot wise, it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot more sense how things follow from from A to B. I I, I will say that I think Star Trek. Um, one thing about Star Trek uh, as as compared to this, while it also doesn't necessarily makes sense that event A would precipitate event B and so on and so forth. You can at least it does at least make emotional sense that event B affected character X in this way and you see the emotional journey in a, in a way that that is plausible. I see how Spock okay. changes over the course of the movie. I see how Kirk changes over the course of the movie. The things that are happening to them may not make a lot of sense in the light of day, but the way they're reacting to them and the changes that it it evokes in them those make sense to me um and the the thing is with super 8 i don't i i i didn't see that laid out in front of me on for the characters i didn't see how this affected this character in this way you know you don't get the slow-mo walk down the 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 you know the enterprise hallway with 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 spock going god who am i what have i done there there is no moment like that with any of the characters in this movie and it's like if this is going to be a movie about characters going through something that changes them you you need moments like that of reflection um and i i think that's you i mean you can call it quibbles and and again if if this were um i i said it about inception this doesn't quite get up to where inception is but but i'll say it about this one too if this were the baseline for for <laughs> yeah, movies yeah. that would be fantastic yeah. you know absolutely and and i'm not saying that this is a terrible movie by any means um like i said earlier can we all just try to make movies like that's, yeah, <laughs> yeah but exactly let's just try let's just see what fucking happens yeah, yeah. so so let's let's try to do that and and if it you know, if it fails down to this level, I'll still be okay with that. Yeah, really. Yeah. Civilization will will still probably be yeah. okay. Anyway, this has been Down in Front. You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes. You get a brand new episode every single week. Twitter.com slash Down in Front. Facebook Down in Front Show. Email us at downinfrontshow at gmail.com. Go to the forum. Involve yourself in the conversation. A bunch of really interesting people say funny things about things, and there's very few lolcats. Um, <laughs> which, you know, I guess that could go either way. Depending on how you feel We're going to get more lolcats. We need to get, get, yeah, we should get more lolcats. We're working on the lolcats thing, but you should join and bring some with you. And uh, <laughs> buy our shirts. Give us money for pizza. And until next time, my name is T. Chris. Harold, Brian Pinifter, Mike Scott, Chase Dokes. This has been down in front. Thank you much for listening. Good night, good night. Trendsinyourhead.com.